Greetings, and welcome to the Thirsty Mage, the podcast that aims to answer many of the RPG genre's unanswerable questions. I'm your host and Thirsty Mage community manager, David Lloyd, and this week we start a multi-episode journey to answer many lingering questions debated among RPG enthusiasts. Questions like, what's the best Square Enix title? What Atlas flagship is better? Do indie RPGs hold mustard against the big boys? And finally, what RPG does the pub and its patrons generally agree is the best RPG of all time? But before we get into it, if you'd like to have a key role in the decision process for this competition, among a host of other benefits, please head on over to patreon.com thethirstymage to find out more information on becoming a member of the Thirsty Mage Video Game Club. But joining me this week to kick off the RPG Battle Royale is an individual who will attempt to put his thumb on the scale of a few of his favorite RPGs, NWR Reviews Editor, Jordan Rudick. Just looking at the list of games we're talking about today, I already know, I already might have an idea of which games you're thinking of when you say putting my thumb on the scale. I, I can't believe it's taken us this long to do something like this, actually. Like, we, we haven't really done, like, a, a a ranking of things or trying to, you know, decide, like, you know, what's the best uh, A, B, or C. Like, I feel like, you know, we've spent so much time talking about individual games uh, and individual consoles, even, but never, like, you know, what 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 is the best uh of this type of game i don't know but uh yeah i'm excited to kick it off today start talking about some really really good games um definitely no 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 duds here you know really everything that we're going to cover over the next uh episodes in this series uh, all of them are worthy of praise worthy of being played to some extent and uh yeah this is going to be fun mm-hmm. yeah it's it's funny going back like uh, yeah we we've never really done anything like this. We've uh, I know we've done on our like uh, end of year shows we've discussed uh, a few of our favorites and that sort of thing but nothing. Yeah, no no rankings or anything like that. And uh, also mm-hmm. joining us uh, to help us out with this is our he's here for our expert analysis on Blizzard and to uh, he's going to probably help me pump the tires on a few different Nintendo competitors. The Talk Nintendo co-host Casey Gibson. Yep, I, I battle my way out of uh, the Shadowlands back up for, for a quick podcast here. But yeah, we've got uh, quite the lineup of games talking today. And, and as Jordan alluded to, no duds here, so you guys don't have to worry about any Octopath Traveler talk tonight. <laughs> you know, I could have taken a shot at World of Warcraft during my little introduction speech, and I tried to take the high that's road. That's the but, beauty of Last uh, Licks. <laughs> I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll see about Last Lake. The podcast is just beginning here, my friend. Uh, I, I'm surprised that we're not recording this actually mid-raid. So uh, that, that's, uh, that's that's a nice benefit for our listeners. Yeah, with, uh, there, like you said, no duds. Uh, there might be some a few, a few uh, omissions that people may give us uh, a little bit of uh, grief over. But I think at the end of the day, it's, it's kind of hard to disagree that any of these games should uh, be in contention anyway. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be the, the biggest challenge is going to be keeping this uh, within a reasonable time frame of time. Uh, we're going to have to be uh, pretty uh, vigilant on keeping uh, the amount of time we talk about these games down to a minimum so that we're, we're not uh, breaking the Thirsty Mage record on length of episodes. I mean, inevitably, like if you, you've got 30 years of RPG history here and, you know, some of, some, some of, uh, some favorite games, you know, even games that we really fondly uh, remember and would like to talk about didn't make the list and that's okay you know we we're, we're talking about the really the best of uh, a, a particular set that you know we have familiarity with we're able to talk about 
Uh, and some games that we haven't spent time with are, are just not going to be on that list. And so that's, uh, you know, to me, that just makes for better podcast listening when we're all pretty much informed uh, for the most part about the games on the list. So that that explains some of the omissions. But, you know, if, you, if you're listening out there, there are, you know, key games that we don't end up talking about. You know, please, please write to us, you know, let us know on, on Twitter or uh, you know, um, in in podcast reviews, it'd be even fantastic. Uh, you know, what kind of games you're hoping to see on the list or hoping to talk about? Mm-hmm. Well, we better we better get right into it because, like I said, it's gonna it's gonna take some time to get through these games. So, Jordan, why don't you kick us off uh, with the drink the discussions this week? Sure. So I've got uh, I have two, but they're both the same, just different flavors. Um, so I don't I don't know if you guys remember when vitamin water first came out. Apparently, it was in year the year two thousand. Um, vitamin water was like a big deal, right? Like, I feel like it, it, it really kind of took off very quickly. Uh, I think it, it, it's popularity, I would say has faded. It, it ended up being bought by uh, Coca-Cola a few years back. Um, but yeah, I remember vitamin water, like everyone was, was, was buying it. It was in all the drink machines and, uh, I probably would have been, um, uh, I guess a, a high school senior or a, like we would say grade 10, grade 10 or 11 when it first came out. Um, and so I picked up a couple of vitamin waters because I, I was, you know, I didn't want to have, uh, I was trying to stay away from uh, pop for a little while. And uh, I did want something that, you know, had a little bit of flavor to it. So uh, I'm, I'm pulling half a casey here by going vitamin water. I've got the Focus, which is vitamin A, that's kiwi strawberry. And I've got the Triple mm. X, which I think was connected to 50 Cent at some point, if, I, if, I, if I'm remembering that correctly. Uh, and that's got antioxidants. That's a... Uh, uh, is it acai uh, or uh, blueberry and pomegranate? Mm. Uh, both pretty good. I think I, I think I like the kiwi strawberry a little bit better. Um, now, maybe you two gentlemen will be able to help me or someone out there listening. I believe there was a cherry flavor at some point, or maybe I'm getting it mixed up with an Aquafina type of vitamin the propel water. or whatever that other crap yeah, was maybe maybe that's what it is i remember one of the other companies maybe it wasn't uh vitamin water the brand but one of them had a, a ch- some kind of cherry or black cherry flavor that i really liked and i wasn't able to find that it seems like the selection of flavors has really uh taken a dive they're well, they only had about four or five so um yeah they're good like i i, I like vitamin water like it's very easy to drink uh it, it definitely has that sweetness that i like um I wish, I wish the, uh, you know, I wish a bottle wasn't 130 calories, you know, when you're trying to have something with water in the title, but, uh, uh, they're, they're good. And I, I you know, I, I was happy to, you know, I got, uh, it was like buy two, get three free. So I bought an orange one as well. And, um, yeah, I, I like vitamin water. I think I've always liked it and I just haven't had it in a while. So I thought, uh, you know, why not uh, dive back into the well, so to speak? Yeah, it's funny. I, I well, as, as always, I've got the, uh, true and tried aqua right here keeping me hydrated but um but as far as the vitamin water goes yeah i used to be super into it um actually when we went you know when i was in college essentially we had sort of is like a you know a scan card right like to get into the buildings yeah but it also doubled as like our meal plan so when you went to the dining halls or whatever and the freshman year and i guess even sophomore year when i lived on campus uh they'd put money on your card uh and Mm. the vending machines you'd just be able to go swipe and oh man dude i that's dangerous, I, I, man. That's really dangerous. I, I spent hundreds of dollars on triple X vitamin water specifically. Um, super yeah. good. I actually, <laughs> I, I sold my uh, old ID actually to this girl for a bunch of vitamin waters once um, because I, I was like a, a late bloomer, you know? So when I was 16, I probably looked like I was 12, you know? And she thought it was the cutest thing. So I was like, 
I, I forgot how it came to be, but she ended up buying me like six vitamin waters or something uh, in, in trade. And yeah. Oh, man. Why did she want your ID? Like, because well, like, she's not trying to get like a fake no, ID or something. Because if you're looking younger, that's not gonna help. I just but. look like such a little baby, you know what I mean? And, yeah. You know, I guess she liked that. But, uh, but yeah, no, it worked out for me. I got vitamin water. But yeah, I used to. Whoo. But yeah, I don't think there's really anything very healthy about vitamin water. By the way. No, I I remember reading that at some point that the the my understanding was that the health benefits are are much more exaggerated or not really uh noticeable like you you're going to get much more vitamins from uh you know th- f- foods you eat every day vegetables fruit stuff like I that think than the you sugar ever would from a vitamin is water crazy high too or something it kind of can it kind of cancels out any of the yeah, health benefits yeah it's like the, well it's not carbonated you know so, so yeah. there's that i mean it, it, there are certainly worse things you could have just don't 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 drink vitamin water think yeah. you're doing a you know a favor for your yeah, body you're not or something shed maybe you're 15 pounds drinking nothing but vitamin water that's right and i'm looking forward to someone in the discord uh, after they shot down my smoothie binge uh, to go after my vitamin <laughs> water here. So please, uh, please, you know, give me the give me the the lowdown. Give me the skinny on, uh, you know, why why vitamin water is not as good. I, I mean, that said, I'm not I'm not drinking vitamin. Water. I'm thinking like, oh, I'm, I'm doing something really good here. I just wanted to go back to it because I had I hadn't had it in a long time. So it was nice to nice to a little blast from the past there. Yeah, there was. Uh, I think the it, the best thing that you could probably drink if you wanted water. That was flavored as that that bubbly uh, stuff that Michael Bublé has Bublé? been. Um, you mean the peddling? Bublé? Oh yes, yes, yes. The Bublé, yeah, because <laughs> it actually is. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's just natural flavoring, and there's no calories or uh, yeah, I think chemicals it's zero or anything. Cal, that, that one, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's probably your best bet. But yeah, I, m- I remember back in my uh, back in those days that you could walk into a convenience store and there was all the rage. There'd be like twenty or thirty options between like three or four different companies. So. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, everyone was drinking vitamin lately. water back there. It was it's like today's yeah, it, it, uh, hard seltzer be, like run. You know, everyone's got to have. Yeah, it. yeah, good point. It's exactly like that. Yeah, yeah, very much. So. It's actually funny, David Wright, the uh, Mets player, because I was I'm like I'm pretty sure he got like a chunk of vitamin water like at some point in his life. And yeah, I was just reading here, and it's like yeah, he's gonna be uh, very well set off with uh, due to that. There you yeah, go. Yeah, his point five percent ownership. Uh, equates to about a cool 20 million oh that's all not too bad <laughs> yeah, uh, that'll keep them well stocked in the triple x's yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well my uh, my beer this week isn't that far off from water really it's uh i think i've actually probably talked about it before because it's from a local uh, brewery here it's called uh, blanche de chelsea from the gainsburg uh, brewery and yeah it's just a simple white belgium so it's it's yeah not that far off from from water really it's uh just a light uh, when you're thirsty uh, to drink. Uh, f- small, it's only 4.5, so I uh, wanted to keep the senses sharp for uh, tonight's debate. But uh, yeah, other than that, it's a pretty simple beer. Just uh, just something light to nice and go down go down smooth. I'm pretty sure my strawberry kiwi vitamin water has higher than 4% alcohol, <laughs> David. I'd... Quite possible. I think I've, uh, I've, I've usurped your host role here for tonight. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, if you're feeling did... adventurous, you might even be able to bump up with a Coors Light. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had to had to take a week off to, for the first episode anyway. I'll leave the harder stuff. The the longer the as soon as I start seeing some of my favorite RPGs fall off the list, I know I'll need the the harder alcohol. So that's right. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Well, right before we get into uh, the debate on the the first round, we'll uh, just have a quick what we've been playing because. 
PS5 is out, and uh, we, there's a few games that uh, we've been playing for that, and there's also uh, a couple couple new Switch games out too. So, uh, Jordan, why don't you kick us off with uh, Watch Dogs Legion and tell us uh, what that's like. Sure, yeah. So I, I promised some Watch Dogs uh, talk uh, last week after I, I hadn't had a chance to pick up my game. Uh, just a quick anecdote about actually acquiring Watch Dogs Legion. I don't know how much detail I, I ended up getting into it uh uh, previously, but uh, so I, I had uh, originally traded in two games uh, into EB Games. The the promo was trade two games that had a value of ten dollars or more, uh, and then you get Watch Dogs for free. So I did that. So I got my my Watch Dogs. I guess the retail would be in Canada, uh, seventy nine ninety nine. Uh, so I thought trading in two ten dollar valued games to get a, a an eighty dollar game was pretty good. So uh, I figured you know why not do that. Uh, and then EB Games also has a promotion. I don't know if they have it in the states or elsewhere, but um, if you have like their membership card called Edge, uh, you can uh, bring back a game uh, within seven days if you have uh, if you if you didn't like it, basically. So kind of like a like a guaranteed satisfaction thing. Um, and I guess you get you get credit back and you could pick up a different game. So that was my intention all along was just to try for a couple of days, probably not finish it, but then bring it back. And, you know, just maybe I was going to actually pick up, pick up uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, but what ha- ended up happening is when I went to pick up the game last week, uh, they told me that I was going to get money back. So uh, the the price of Watch Dogs Legion had dropped from seventy nine ninety nine to forty nine ninety nine. Oh, uh, and this is days after the launch. It can, it didn't come out at least in Canada. It didn't it didn't come out into stores until uh, the twenty fourth of November. So uh, you know it, it's been you know just over a week now. Uh, and it when I picked it up, it had been like like I said, it had been like two or three days. I think I picked it up on Thursday, and so that was hilarious to me that I, I was there. I'm like picking up this game that I've got fully fully paid off with that trade promo and they're like oh we're going to give you $30 back I'm like all right yeah I'm not going to I'm not going to complain about that and I think I figure oh they're just going to give me $30 in credit no they gave me $30 back on my visa I'm like all right hey, that's even better right so they give me $30 cash back for it so uh and then the the final uh, the final uh, cherry on top is that um for the next month I guess the month after release Watchdogs Legion is on a list at EB Games where if you trade it in within that month you get $50 credit. So t- I paid 49 I guess technically I've I've traded in two games, got Watchdogs, got $30 back and then when I go back to EB Games to trade in Watchdogs they'll give you $50 for it. So it, it's basically a free rental so, here. So, so you I, got I'm, I'm $80 that, right? worth for $10 Two ten dollars worth of for trade. two ten dollar games. Yeah, exactly. Pretty good that's up right. Mark. That's right. So, yeah, I'm not complaining mm. about that. So, I'll, so I'll trade it in. You know, I'm I'm hoping to beat it in the next week or so. I'll trade it in, put it towards maybe a pre-order for something next year. So I was really happy. You about should that, go but... buy another copies of of Watch Dogs and just do the same <laughs> yeah, thing over, yeah. dude. Just get all your pre-orders go, in. Go get. Uh, go. Yeah, this guy really lo- <laughs> unfortunately really they... loves this game uh, or doesn't. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, that's going to get me banned from the store a second time, and that's a story for another day. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Watch Dogs Legion, um, it's you know very much in that kind of AAA open world game from Ubisoft. You know, you've you've played games like this before. I imagine it's very. I haven't really played the other two Watch Dogs games, but I imagine it's very similar. Uh, a lot of hacking, a lot of focus on stealth. Uh, a lot of trying to maybe avoid combat, avoid like killing people, doing a lot of you know non-lethal takedowns and sneaking around and stuff like that. 
the premise is that London's kind of been taken over uh, by this um, kind of mi- almost like a militaristic state. Uh, you know, you've got the the government and the police, different uh, kind of police forces and uh, military forces and paramilitary forces, kind of uh, ruling the city and you know, kind of trying to you know put the lock put a lockdown on everybody. Uh, so you're trying to kind of resist that or, or fight rise against that. Uh, as this uh, corporation called or this uh, entity called DeadSec, uh, the one of the main hooks of the game is that you can kind of recruit almost any person in the game into DeadSec. So you might just be walking around the street, you see like a guy on a skateboard, or you see you know an old woman, or uh, maybe a cab driver, and you're like, or, or a construction worker, you're like, oh hey, uh, you, you you go up to them and you basically you say, hey, do you want to join DeadSec? Or can if I if I help you out, will you will you join the resistance with me? Uh, and so you, you kind of you can recruit pretty much anybody. That's I guess that's one of the interesting parts of the game is you can build this team of people that have different perks, uh, different drawbacks, different stats, different uh, equipment and abilities that they come with. So that's kind of neat. Like I, I recruited this construction worker for a mission, and he can summon these uh, these construction drones that I can actually ride on. So I'll, I'll summon like a flying drone. Uh, land it in front of me, step on top of it, and then start flying it like a remote-controlled car. Uh, rem- I guess like remote-controlled drone. And I'm flying the drone while I'm on top of it, so it's almost like I'm flying with it. So it's pretty cool. It's got it's got stuff going for it like that. Um, I think the mission variety is lacking. Uh, you're 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 usually doing the same thing. Not that it isn't fun, but you're doing the same thing. You're like sneaking into like um. So you're sneaking into a building, you're avoiding the guards, you're hacking a computer, you're getting some information, then you're going, you're leaving. Like it's pretty much the same for, I've probably done about six or seven story missions. I think they're all kind of in that vein. There hasn't been a ton of uh, stuff that's different. Um, one, one big story mission. I, uh, I ended up, um, having a, to make a major choice. I don't want to spoil it here, but it was pretty cool uh, choosing between, you know, like a computer program, whether I wanted it to, to, to live or die. Uh, and then uh, once I made my choice, I was actually kind of besieged by, a, you know, a group of like six or seven military guys, uh, all, all with different guns. And it was funny because I, I, I the character that I was using, uh, my starting character isn't tailored for, armed combat she you know she has a fancy car and i've got like a cloaking device kind of technology on her but i you know she's got like a a basic stun gun like not like a not like a rifle or a a machine gun or anything so so that was pretty tough i had to sneak around and uh, try to take out the guys that way but um it's got some decent decent variety in terms of the different people that you can pick up um the driving actually feels pretty good um, I do think the mission variety isn't quite, you know, isn't ideal. Uh, if, if if you're not into the the stealth and the sneaking around and the hacking, you might not uh, you might not enjoy it that much. But I've kind of turned my brain off to the story. Like I, I'm not really paying attention to what the characters are saying or what's happening in the world. I think it is, you know, kind of basic stuff. Um, and by doing that, I think I'm enjoying it more. Not really worrying about you know, what is the end result of every mission or why am I doing all the things that I'm doing? I'm kind of just taking down these different factions trying to control London one at a time, you know, kind of stopping their operation and then eventually like taking out the leader of those different gangs. And, and I'm enjoying it that way. So, uh, you know, I think I, I think I'm probably about halfway through, I'd say the main, the main story missions. Uh, I'm not really doing any of the side stuff. Uh, just probably going to mainline it, see, see how it ends. And, 
Um, yeah, I think it's fine. I, I think I think getting it at a discount, I think you're there's some fun to be had with the game. Uh, I'm I'm not shocked. You know, you again, Ubisoft does this all the time, but I'm not shocked it hit fifty dollars or or cheaper pretty quick. Um, I, I you know maybe not the same week that it launched. I think that's kind of ridiculous. But uh, if you, I think if you can get the game cheap and you're you're into that, you know, kind of a little more generic kind of open world uh, uh, gameplay. Uh, I think you might enjoy it. So I'll try to share some concluding thoughts uh, maybe in a week or two when I'm done the story. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm having fun with it, and I, I, I am looking forward to finishing it. So it was good. I mean, and it stinks to sort of be disengaged from a story, obviously, just meaning that it wasn't really that engaging, you know. But uh, it, it's good yeah. to hear that the gameplay is still good enough to sort of carry the experience. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't. Again, I don't necessarily love like sneaking around and playing stealth, but I think it actually it works pretty cool here. Uh, you can hack into cameras and you can solve um, like uh, circuits and stuff and shut shut down security systems that way. You can trigger traps. Uh, everything is kind of activated by your phone, I guess, or or some kind of like device you have on you. So from a distance, you can hack into cameras and then start looking through them. You can disable drones. You can hack turrets and actually start shooting as them. Like there's some cool stuff that you can do with the technology. Uh, there, there's there's progression. You you earn these tech points that allow you to uh, get different guns or increase uh, increase your abilities or stats and stuff like that. So, yeah, it, it has stuff going for it. I just you know it's not it's not a, it's not a excellent game, but it's it's not a bad game either. It's it it has. There are ways to make it fun, and I, and I, like I said, I have been having some fun with it. So, I guess I shouldn't have canceled my pre-order because uh, what I actually played the played the first two games. I really enjoyed both of them, and it, mostly because, like you said, the mechanics are are really fun. I, I really enjoy the stealth um, mm-hmm. combat and stuff like that, and I, I felt like the second game was more into the stealth, so it was a, it was a bit more fun. So I was curious to see what the third one would how it would play, but. I can't remember who it was, but somebody I was following on Twitter who really enjoyed the first two games as well uh, had reviewed the, th- the third game and basically, like, I, I guess it wasn't necessarily a bomb, but they certainly did- weren't enjoying it. So I ended up canceling yeah. the, the pre-order based on, on that. And um, and also knowing, like, there's going to be other things coming out because it was kind of around the same time as, like, Cold Steel 4 and then uh, Demon Souls and stuff. So I'm like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to have the time. And if, if someone who l- liked the first two games like me is not going to like it, then maybe, you know, at the end of the day, I, I made the call. But I guess I missed yeah, it on that. And I can't, like I said, <laughs> I can't speak. I, I can't speak to uh, whether, you know, because I haven't played the I really haven't really played the first two games and I am. I am enjoying it a little bit. Um, uh, I, I'll, I'll end, I'll end my thoughts on Watch Dogs Legion with this. Uh, you, I, I find it very difficult to get into firefights. Uh, even, I even had like a military character one time, uh, who had a machine gun and I got swarmed by drones and enemies and you can't take that many hits. The game really does seem to push you towards, uh, nonviolence and sneaking around in stealth. Yeah. Um, so when I got into a firefight, it, it, it ended pretty quickly for me. And anytime I start getting shot, I, I try to run away or, or, you know, defuse the situation. I, I usually don't, uh, I don't try to fight or anything like that. Um, uh, the other point is the, the driving, like some of the cars go really fast and the, the streets are, they're not like kind of like normal, like T shaped intersections or, or X shaped intersections. They're constantly like, uh, you know, 
I, I don't know how Brandovitz. accurate it is to London, <laughs> but uh, they're, they're constantly like turning and there's side streets everywhere and bridges and stuff like that. Uh, but most of the time you can just run over everything on the road without, without, without consequence. Like you can hit people, you can hit poles, you can hit like, you know, uh, tr- you know, traffic lights and everything. It doesn't really have any consequence. I've never, I, I've crashed a car and fallen out, but I've never died that way. I've never, um, uh, the car I've never had a car explode or anything like it's a there's a there's a kind of like a, a recklessness to the driving that's kind of fun so uh I, and then I I I found there's a I guess I've unlocked a bunch of fast travel points at this point too so I'm able to get through the city pretty quickly and uh of course you know normally a fast travel load time might be like 10 to 20 seconds but on the PS5 it's like you nothing know, two or yeah. three seconds so it's it's yeah. nothing so you, you don't you don't even mind you know fast traveling a bunch uh when when there's no load time so that's kind of nice too yeah my favorite uh chase scene in in london was in the movie the man uh the man who knew too little with bill murray and he's uh, mm, driving yes. a, he's driving a, a one of those mini coopers uh through london and having a great old time and he gets into this uh roundabout yeah. and he's going in a circle if uh, anybody wants <laughs> yes. to see a funny chase that's it's, it's a pretty funny scene <laughs> but uh, yeah, great. yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, for me, this this might be the last Switch game I play in a while. <laughs> this uh, I I uh, picked up uh, Sheeran the Wanderer, and uh, so this is a uh, roguelike because you know I haven't played enough roguelikes this year, and I uh, will have a, a review on it shortly. I got a little behind on it, so I want to get that out soon. So I'll have more details on that. But yeah, basically this is um, this is an older game. It it was actually uh, on the PS Vita's when it first came out. And this is kind of like the gold standard of the original roguelikes, like the the mystery dungeon style roguelikes. Anyway, um, so uh, I I actually owned it on the Vita and really enjoyed it, and so I thought uh, I'd give it a roll on on uh, Switch. And uh, basically, it's just pretty much uh, more the same. Like it's it's the same game. It feels uh, it feels better to play on a Switch because just I think the Switch feel is naturally um, more comfortable to use than than a Vita. Like the screen's bigger and the controls are more convenient or more comfortable and that sort of thing. So, uh, basically, it's it's the same great game and but better. Uh, I don't know if I'm gonna get there's they did do some additions. Uh, they have additional dungeons that were added in for the the Switch version. I I think those are really more for like the hardcore people. Like I I can't see myself really worrying about them too much. They got like themes towards them like. Well, like there, I think one was uh, you. You can't. There's no weapons in the dungeon. You just it's just all hand to hand combat and it, like oh, just yeah, like little modifiers little, like that. Like yeah, affixes. That, at least that's what they call them. in like in uh, Dia- like Blizzard, Diablo, and WoW. Like to sort yeah. of just change up what you sort of normally do. Yeah, just to give it a little more challenge or just something that you're you're not you, you haven't played before that sort of thing. And which is like I said, it's great for people who are like really into uh, Sheeran. But uh, one of the things I would say is if you're just getting into roguelikes with the Switch, like because the Switch is really where the roguelikes are, are these days, and or if maybe you played Hades or something and you're like, Ooh, my, you know, maybe this, this genre might be for me. Um, th- this game is, <laughs> it, if you enjoyed Hades, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to enjoy Sheeran. <laughs> like this is, this is almost like playing um, hmm. Mario Odyssey and then... Th- thinking maybe i'll enjoy super mario brothers 3 or something like it's it's a lot it's it's a different game it's a much older feel to it 
um, much more methodical. This, this is really a thinking game. It's it's uh, all about strategy and and uh, item management and inventory uh, management. So I mean, it's like I said, it's it's kind of the gold standard for the mystery dungeon, I would say. But yeah, I would just uh, say for anyone who's who's not really like into the roguelike, this is really for the the hardcore fans of this genre. Yeah, I didn't realize you'd played this game on Vita, David. I, I know that, uh, that people have uh, a lot of fondness for for Sheeran, and I think there there might be other games in the series. I don't know if this is the is this supposed to be the original one or the first one? Do you know? I know there's a, a few different Sheerans, I think, but I think like this is kind of like the main one. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because I know it was there was like a, a version of it on DS actually. Um, just looking it up now to see if I can get. Because they had, uh, it was called Mystery Dungeon Sheeran the Wanderer on DS back right. in... Yep. Uh, yep, I remember that one, actually. Yeah, 2006, but the original release of the game was in 1995 on Super Nintendo. Um, yeah, wow. so it's, it's been, a hot it's been around for a while. Yeah, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can, I can do it with Mystery Dungeon games anymore. Like, I think I've really, I think I've given them uh the time of day uh, enough like I, I recently uh played and reviewed the pokemon mystery dungeon the kind of the remakes that came to switch and um yeah i, I don't know it, pokemon's all, all well and good but uh then to add in kind of the roguelike elements as well and i i think sheeran's incredibly dense and i i i have i have like kind of respect for it uh and what it does but i just don't know if it's a game that i, I could really enjoy um I, I feel like mystery dungeon is a uh a, a genre within within roguelites or within rpgs that i've just kind of uh, maybe maybe switched off for me i, I, I don't know if I'll, i don't know if i'll ever return to that but you know i say that next year i'll probably play three of them and really enjoy them say, so that's kind of the way things have been it's going like the boomerang you'll be back Oh no! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, the original Sheer and the Wanderer, this one, the uh, the Tower of Fortune and the Dice of Fate, the it actually originally came out on Nintendo DS in 2010 in Japan, and the Vita one that I played okay. was actually a port. Uh, that was the first time it came to the West was on Vita in 2016. Um, but yeah, there's tonight. there's yeah exactly. But yeah, this one is set between Sheer and the Wanderer DS2 and Sheer and the Wanderer 3. So yeah, there's there's a few, but um, mm-hmm. it, it, it was the, uh, Retronauts episode that actually got me on Sheeran. I had heard it and gave it a try and that's, and I ended up getting it on Vita. I think it was last year that, uh, they had that episode. So, um, yeah, I would say that, uh, that it was Jeremy Parrish that uh, sold me on the game. And like you said, I think with the mystery dungeons, like, I don't think I'll play anymore, but I think if you wanted to play one of the best, this is probably the one to go with. Yeah, it sounds that way. Or if you if you didn't know if you liked these type of games, this seems like a good one to kind Entry of point. test the waters with, I think, right? Yeah, like if mm-hmm. you if you like what it's doing, it could probably get into all of them from this point on. Yep. Well, Casey, it's, why don't you wrap up our uh, what we've been playing with. Uh, I'm assuming it's going to be uh, something that's related to WoW. Well... <laughs> yeah, I thought about dipping back into Octo, but uh, no. Uh, yeah, Shadowlands <laughs> finally uh, released uh, the newest expansion for World of Warcraft, and it's funny, like I said, I, I sort of got back into playing the retail side of, of World of Warcraft um, at like a horrible time, you know, because it was like, it was the end of the expansion, so it's like everything's been released for that expansion, and and it's sort of like the, the lull before, you know, the, the storm picks back up with the new uh, release so 
sort of one of those like, yeah, like there's stuff to do, but it's also sort of a moot point because everything's, you know what I mean? Like there's just uh, everything new and exciting is right around the corner. And then it was eventually um, delayed. So then it was like, oh, like oh, we, were, we were close and now we got to wait even longer. Um, so finally here and. Yeah, I mean, so far, so far, so really good. Um, I mean, the leveling experience is, uh, you know, shorter, much shorter than it used to be. I mean, it, it used to be one of those, like, it would take you a couple days of really grinding out hard to, to hit the cap. Uh, but now I think, um, you know, I think I probably did in the 8 to 10 hour range, give or take. Uh, so, you know, a healthy amount, nothing too crazy. Uh, but there were people who, mm-hmm. like, speed ran it in, like, four. Um so, you know, it, it's not too crazy, and then uh, then you start the leveling up or the gearing up process. You know, you start doing the dungeons, um, getting better gear, and then going into the harder dungeons, and, and that's always fun, especially uh, I'm sort of reuniting with a bunch of old buddies that used to play the game like a decade ago. So it's sort of sort of a, a trip down memory lane, uh, but also super fun to just be hanging out with those guys and, and going through the content. Uh, but, yeah, the, the raid releases uh, next week on Tuesday. That's like the the first time we can get into there, um, and then the following week is like the the super hard mythic uh, they call it difficulties released, and that's sort of exciting because um, something where you could go on Twitch and they have like the the race to world first, you know, uh, and you can see in the people, and it's funny because like back when I played again, like you know, eight to ten years ago. It was very secretive, right? Raiding was very secretive. You didn't want to tip your hand on what your strategy was. And this is, and I'm talking at like the utmost highest level of player, you know, the professional player level. Um, they wouldn't want to show, you know, their strategies because other guilds could, you know, potentially copy them or, you know, use that knowledge to sort of better themselves off. So it was very, you know, you'd be like, oh, I wonder what's going on. And then all of a sudden it would just be like, boom, hey. This guild got world first. Here's the video, you know, and it's like, oh, cool, uh, sweet, you know. But now it's like a, a live event where you get to watch these people uh, raid, and they all go to like a centralized gaming hub, and all, you know what I mean? They're all in the same area, not all of them, but the majority of them in the same area playing together, and it's exciting to watch that too. Um, and I've watched the last couple, so I'm really excited now because I'm actually playing it. So it'll be like I'll have knowledge of what's going on versus like just like oh you know, watching and deciphering it as you go, you know, but always a little different when you mm. actually play it and sort of know what's going on. But yeah, so far, so good. Like I said, I'm really enjoying it. Um, you know, excited for Raid next week. And uh, yeah, I'm going to keep on jamming out and, and enjoying it so far. Sounds exciting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds sounds like a, it's it's a lifestyle. It, it sound, almost sounds like to a certain degree, like with the, uh, the, the, the having that, um, like you said, it, each week having the events and sort of stuff to keep you... Oh, yeah, yeah, no, that's... I mean, that's what's cool about, you know, um, MMOs is... Sure, like, you've got open-world games, right, where you could sort of go anywhere. Um, obviously, like, this is open-world, is MMO. Like, it's a, a breathing, living world, you know, so it's cool to see, like, people interact and, and you're out there, uh, you know, seeing everyone running around. And, and like I said, especially in the beginning of the expansion, obviously that's when the most people are jumping back in. And obviously, you know people dwindle out mm. as you go but uh but yeah right now the the hype is the hype is up and like i said i think uh the overall sentiment is that you know people are really enjoying it so uh warcraft and blizzard they really needed a bounce back after the last expansion which uh was pretty pretty poorly um received so 
one of those like, hey, we got to hit this out of the park. And, you know, with MMOs, you can never really tell right away, you know, things, how things shake out. But uh, like I said, so far, things are pretty promising that it's going to be a pretty good expansion. Uh, Casey, sort of sort of a tangent. Sorry, David, interrupt. Um, do we know what's happening? Um, I, I know BlizzCon was canceled this year, right? Uh, do we know when the next one is or when we're going to get an update on like, you know, Blizzard stuff in general, maybe? Yeah, they, they actually, it's, let me see it. Um, I think it's in February. Um, it, it's, okay, so soon, it's pretty it's soon. It's an online then. event. So they're going to... Yeah, yeah, it's that's gonna right. It's going to be... Let's see, do they have the... <laughs> I knew it was early next year. I wasn't sure when exactly. Um, uh, of course. Online makes yeah, a lot of sense. Yeah, and, and what's cool... So yeah, February 19th to the 21st, um, it's going to be online. Right. And I actually saw that it's going to be free for everyone to... like. Because okay. essentially, um, I think like the first big... Like the opening, you know, press conference, if you will, whatever the the opening event is free for everyone, and then like they sell. Yeah. Obviously, you can go to the event, but they sell online tickets so that you can get access to all of the stages and all of the panels and stuff. And I'm pretty sure okay, okay. with everything going on this year, they're like we're we're gonna open that up for free for everyone to get in there. So gonna be cool, and yeah, I'm ready good. for some Diablo Four news. Yeah, I mean I, that that that's got to be one of the big uh, one of the big you know kind of. Uh, announcements for them or or showcases for them after after kind of showing us a little bit of a tease uh last time um blizzard uh, my yeah. my understanding is that kind of every every blizzcon they they maybe talk about what's coming up for world of warcraft do you have a, like a sense of where things are going or is it maybe maybe another year away before something else gets announced? Uh, they, they won't announce a new release uh, a new expansion they might in february they might uh tease the next patch uh you know the okay. upcoming raid and you know uh story mode because right, people gotcha. will be raiding it for you know over two months at that point uh, there'll definitely yeah, yeah, be yeah. uh probably definitely be probably uh there should be um world of warcraft classic uh the burning crusade mm -hmm. expansion that's what everyone sort of is expecting uh because actually they just okay. released the final patch of classic tonight which is uh, Naxxaramis, uh, you know, the the very popular mm. raid. Um, so, yeah, I'd imagine those two things, uh, you know, would be as far as WoW goes, and then you had Diablo 4, mm -hmm. and then I'm sure they'll have, like, Overwatch 2 and all that other crap, too, but stuff I don't really yeah, care maybe, about. Yeah, maybe, maybe they might tease something StarCraft-related, too. I don't know what, you know, we haven't heard anything, obviously, but they're so, they've got their hands full with so many different uh, series now, it's... Uh, Hard to predict what's going to happen. Just give me D four and make it look good, please. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I I want to see more of it. I don't know if we'll get it next year, uh, especially given yeah, you know, the situation of this so. year. But I, I think that it'd be nice. It'd be nice to get more gameplay. Yeah, as I all. think like like with this uh, Shadowlands, you know, they Diablo four they got to hit it out of the park. But I guess I say sure. that, but I guess Diablo three did very well for them. Yeah, I, th I think they could go into Diablo 4. Yeah, I know we're getting off topic, but to get to our you know main topic. But Diablo 4, I think they could do the same thing where it, it releases, you know, with the idea that it's going to be, they're going to be building on it for years, mm -hmm. right? And so there might not be as much content right out of the gate. Uh, but the, the, maybe they'll have like a roadmap for, you know, we're adding these characters. We're going to add, you know, these chapters later on, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I'm excited to, to see more about that too. Ooh, well, I... Probably a good time to get into the final segment of the episode. It's the uh, the bread and butter of 
of the episode tonight, and that is the big kickoff to the comp- the RPG Battle Royale. So if you missed the preview last week, um, so what we've done is we've selected uh, what we feel is a fair representation of the best 32 RPG games ever made. Uh, again, we said there might be some notable omissions, but I don't think anyone would uh, argue that uh, the games that we have here have a, a good chance of becoming the best game chosen. And what we've done is we split the 32 games into two conferences, uh, East and the West. We've uh, And then from there, we've further broken it down into separate divisions. So it's basically um, pitting RPGs against each other in a bracket style to see who comes out on top. So in the Eastern Conference, we have the Square Enix division. And within that division, there's uh, we got their, the action RPGs up against each other, modern turn-based, uh, retro turn-based, the wildcard entry, uh, all, all leading up to uh, what will end up um, calling the best Square Enix RPG ever made. The second division then uh, represents RPGs published by Nintendo. So we got Monolith games up against each other. Uh, we got retro Nintendo RPGs against each other. We'll uh, come to a conclusion on the, the best Nintendo RPG from there. And finishing up in the East, we have an Atlas div- uh, Atlas uh, head-to-head, a Nihon Falcom head-to-head. Uh, to determine uh, the best of those two companies. And then on the Western side, we have... Bethesda, Blizzard, Bioware, uh, all we're going to figure out which are the the best games out of those companies. We've got the best indie developed, the best Western open world, and uh, we got a little bit of Eastern bleed over, actually. We've got a couple Japanese tactical games and the From Software uh, games we got on the mm-hmm. uh, the Western side. So uh, from here, the way that it's going to work is that we're going to stop short of actually saying... So we're going to talk about um, a few of the... the about half of the the matchups this week because there's just too many to do. <laughs> so it's round one, part one. And uh, if you've got the brackets open at home, what we're doing is uh, we're doing the middle brackets, the ones uh, the ones for, we're gonna split it up east and west. We're gonna do half of each, and there are the ones in the middle. And um, so what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be talking about the graphics, combat mechanics, soundtrack, story, and some of their intangibles. But we are going to Stop short of actually picking the games this week. Maybe we'll wait until next week to uh, to unveil who who we picked in each of these matchups. But uh, it's going to be a, a blend of uh, our choices mixed in with uh, Patreon uh, selecting their who they think should win each competition. And then we're also going to be putting posting the co- the matchups on social media. So if you're on Twitter or Instagram, you'll be able to vote for your favorite games, and we'll see who moves on. But from here, we better get right into it because we've got a we've got a few to go with. So, why don't we kick it off uh, with the with the big hitters, the 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 retro Square Knicks. We're gonna go Chrono Trigger versus Final Fantasy VI. Um, unf- yeah, it's gonna be one big game getting knocked off uh, in the first round, unfortunately. But why don't we start with uh, the graphics between the two? Do so the what we're gonna do is that we're gonna talk about whether one of the games has a clear edge, a slight edge, or a tie in uh, all, each of the different criteria we talked with. So let's kick it off with graphics. What do you guys think of Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI? 
Um, I mean, both have that beautiful Super Nintendo, you know, pixel graphics, obviously. Uh, you know, some iconic um, sprites, you know, within each game. But I think you got to, you know, I think I would give it to Chrono Trigger. Um, you know, I think the characters are more unique. You know, I mean, a lot of humans, obviously, in Final Fantasy. And, I mean, there's obviously a huge cast of characters. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, so many great moments and little effects. Like, even in the opening of Chrono Trigger with, like, the, the fireworks over the, the fair and everything and the balloons. And, um, yeah, I, I would give it my, my personal pick would go towards Chrono on that one. So Toriyama oh, over Shibuya? Yes, sir. It hurts so much to, say, <laughs> to to make any decision between these two games because they're both fantastic. They're both like you know one A one B type games. Uh, depending on the day, I think you could, you could put one over the other in any uh, any category. Uh, I'll 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 go I'll go slight edge to Corona Trigger as well. Uh, I I think that the uh, the, the the towns the the just that world of the game to me it has a little bit more kind of texture or life to it you know you go into into the forests and you see the waterfalls and uh, they just it just feels a little bit more um, unique looking I suppose like Final Fantasy VI it looks like Final Fantasy IV and it looks like Final Fantasy V and Final Fantasy One to an extent uh, they they do all kind of follow like a similar pattern. Uh, or they have a similar style to them. So I'll, I'll give it to Chrono Trigger for being a little bit more unique in terms of its visual style. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree. Uh, I think it gets decided as well for the exact same reasons that, yeah, the uniqueness of it. And I, I think the characters are just a little bit more uh, unique and expressive over the Final mm-hmm. Fantasy VI ones. Like it's, mm-hmm. they just seem like there's a little bit more personality with the characters in Chrono Trigger, I think, with and uh, in, in Res- with the graphics and that sort of thing. They just they just look a little bit more... Uh, They're more memorable. I mean, it, at yeah. the end of the day, you know, it's a lot of Final Fantasy, especially like the sprite-based, right, were pretty similar, I'd say, you know, um, where, yeah, Chrono Trigger felt like it was something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that brings us to combat mechanics, and... Uh, I mean... The, they, they have the, the... They come from the same, you know, turn-based style, but... Uh, again, I think in this case, Chrono Trigger might get the slight edge with, uh, I, I think having the ability to have the characters do like the combination attacks and that sort of thing just, just mm-hmm. might put it slightly over the top for me over, over six. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, finding the different combinations that worked and I think just having the different combos actually put sort of a, a real tangible feel on your party composition. Of course, like, in a lot of RPGs, about you know, I want a guy who's a little more tanky, one that heals, one that does damage, you know. But, like, having those different combo attacks, you know, oh, I can use, you know, Luca for different, uh, different uh, you know, gunshots and all this. And I, I don't know. I thought it was really cool. Um, and again, like, Final Fantasy VI, more true and tried, right? Like, it sticks to... And not to say, you know, turn-based is bad. I, I love it, you know. But uh, I think that extra wrinkle within Chrono Trigger, again, sort of, it gives my nod nod towards Chrono. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna surprise myself here and go slight edge to Final Fantasy VI, actually. Um, I like that every character has their own kind of um, uh, class that we haven't really seen in other games before. Like, if you think about Cyan's mechanics... That I mean, whether you think they're good or not, we've never really seen another character 
uh, in a JRPG that that is designed like him. I think Gao, obviously, you know, the blue mage, uh, you know, Gogo with his mime, Umaro that you don't even control. I, I just think that the, the variety of the characters and their unique kind of talents that they bring, Setzer with the gambling, Edgar with his kind of being able to use his, uh, his tools, Saban doing doing like fighting game inputs to do his moves. I think it's just so cool. Whereas like in Chrono Trigger, you have attack, you have tech, and you have item, right? There's only three choices mm. for every character. And yeah, they all have different elemental uh, affiliations. And the, I, I do think the triple techs and double techs are really cool. But, uh, you know, ultimately, I think you kind of settle on a few different ones, uh, you know, th- throughout the game or especially by the end of the game. Um, whereas I think there's a little bit more opportunity for experimentation with uh, Final Fantasy VI, I would say. You really have to make use of so many different party members uh, and the fact that you're collecting all of them at the end, whether you need, you know, to get, you know, over 10 or 15 or whatever to see your way through, that that's kind of your choice at the end. So I'll, I'll go slight edge to Final Fantasy VI here. Oh, that brings us to the soundtrack, and <laughs> this one's going to be just, tough. Just stop the podcast now. <laughs> th- th- this is impossible. This is yeah, impossible. I'm going to have impossible. to... I have to say Taya for me because, uh, I mean, Ui Matsu ended up working on both. Mitsuda obviously uh, did a lot of the work on Chrono Trigger, but uh, it, it, I don't I can't even choose one or the, over the other. There, there's just too much. Uh, I mean, Final Fantasy VI has some iconic music that, that even to this day, like, I, still comes into my mind. And Chrono Trigger, obviously, like, it, ha- it has an incredible soundtrack as well. So, yeah, I'm... I'm I, I cannot be, you cannot force me to choose one over the other. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Definitely, um, <clears throat> definitely a tie on these two, both. And it's funny, it's not even like they're, oh, these are two really great soundtracks. Yeah, they're, t- no, these are two of probably the greatest soundtracks of all time. And not even being facetious, you know, th- these are unbelievable, uh, littered with like masterpieces throughout. So yeah, I, it, to me, it's a pretty obvious tie on, on that front. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna break the mold here uh, like I did with the previous category, but I will say that I think Chrono Trigger's music, I I certainly I guess personally prefer to listen to that kind of outside of the game. Like I I, I really think it's maybe a, a little bit better uh, suited to just kind of like ha- casual listening or everyday listening. And there's certainly more kind of remixes or different versions. I think I've heard of Chrono Trigger's themes. That said. I think that it just you know, when you're playing, you're playing the game, just top to bottom, uh, they're they're both both incredible, and I, I don't I don't want to give an edge to either one, uh, e- even if personally I listen to one more than the other. Uh, I think if I going back to them, like they're they're just so so memorable both. So I'll go tie as well. Mm. Ah, man, story. Th- I think I think this is going to end up coming down to personal preference because I'm going to have to give the slight edge to Final Fantasy VI on this one. Because I think it might all be because of Kefka and the and the use of the time jump. Like it's funny that they both use time uh, as a mechanic, but the the jump from the to the world of ruin at the end and kind of going through the world again. I don't know that that to me I I just find that preferable to the the Chrono Trigger kind of jumping through time into different time periods. Uh, it's so tough though, cause like Chrono Trigger does it so well, and it kind of opens the game up a bit in the sense that like you can go through the different uh, time zones. But uh, story wise, I don't know. I I have to give the slight edge to to Final Fantasy VI. Yeah, I, I 
I'll be honest, you know, I've never beaten Final Fantasy VI. You know, I've played my fair share. But um, to me, you know, like, being able to jump through time within Chrono Trigger at will, essentially, right, sort of, it doesn't put that, like, pressing feeling on you. I, I mean, again, I, I, I'm totally into both, uh, you know, into the story. But to me, it's just, like, it doesn't have that super pressing where, like, Final Fantasy VI definitely seems more like, hey, things are impending, you know, like, you start off, like, right off the bat, like, well, we're on the move, you know, it it just seems more, like, it puts more tension in there, you know what I mean, and I think that definitely goes a long way, um, I'm gonna stick sort of right in the middle here again, just because I I haven't finished Final Fantasy VI, so I don't want to say, you know, give it one way or the other, I mean, obviously, it's like, well, I've beaten Chrono Trigger, I'll, I'll give it to that, but I, I'd sort of stick in the middle, because I do find both of them pretty darn interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think, I, I'm just gonna put it out this way, I think the fact that Chrono Trigger has multiple endings uh, gives it the slight edge, I think it's as simple as that, I, I think they're both really interesting, um, the, 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 obviously, the, the dual worlds in Final Fantasy VI, you know, the light, the light and the dark, and then, um, <clears throat> or the world of balance, world of ruin. Uh, obviously, that that uh, that event happening is momentous. But uh, Chrono Trigger, you know, the 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 loss of Chrono is is deeply felt. Like the all of the learning about you know the different characters. I feel like there's a little bit more fleshing out for characters like Frog and Magus and uh, and Marley. Um, and so I'll I'll go Chrono Trigger uh, mostly a slight edge because uh, the fact that you, you're you're encouraged to play the game to get the different innings and they're most of them are really interesting too and. Um, yeah, it, it's close, but I'll go Chrono Trigger there. Mm-hmm. And finally, the intangibles. Um, on the Chrono Trigger side, I would say one of the intangibles is that it was basically an all-star team of two of the biggest companies, the RPG makers at the time. Like, you got the the heavy hitters at Enix and the heavy hitters at Square, and they got together and made a fantastic game. Uh, one of the... Mm-hmm. One, many would say the, the best RPG of all time. So, I mean, you, you've got that... Um, on on the Final Fantasy VI intangible, like I think Kefka is one of the greatest villains of all time, and um, I I think the way that the story plays out is is very good. And then you've obviously with uh, one of Sakaguchi's like last uh, SNES uh, game, like uh, again I don't I don't even uh, don't know who to who to choose in this one. I I might have to go equals again. Like it's just. I don't know, man. This is going to be one of the toughest it matchups in the whole, so the whole thing. I think so also much. what, I mean, I was gonna say, I guess not really. I was going to say Chrono Trigger being sort of a standalone, but I guess he got Chrono Cross too. Uh, well, not too, but as well. Um, yeah, I mean, again, sort of, I feel like they both had those intangibles that doesn't really, you know, move the needle in either direction. Like you said, they, they both sort of have cool things to go along with them, but... But yeah, I think, again, sort of stick right in the middle. I wouldn't give the edge uh, in either direction. Uh, I don't know. I, got, I I don't have an answer. I kind of want to just talk it out. Like, <laughs> in terms of intangibles, I really like the materi- the uh, the uh, Esper system. Like, I, I think that uh, learning the spells that way and the way that summons are used and the fact that you're kind of collecting them throughout the game is kind of like a, like a little side quest on its own. I love that. Uh, mm. I, I love the way the world of ruin just kind of like opens it up. There's so many different ways to play through the second half of the game. Um, you know, whether, whether shadow survives, whether you go and get uh, Umaro and Gogo or very much out of the way, uh, th- things like the Moogle charm, the relics are really cool. Um, yeah. Uh, 
God. But then Chrono Trigger, like, I, I think the, the, the towns and the world itself, I just think they, it just, fe- I, I know I kind of said this already, but it just feels more alive. It feels like a, the world has more life and vibrancy in it. Like, I feel like I'd, I'd rather explore the world of Chrono Trigger thoroughly than I would uh, the world of Final Fantasy VI. So, Oh boy! Like I, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I I'm guess, gl- I, I guess tie again. Like, yeah. man, it sucks. These games are so bloody good. Like, yeah. I'm glad we don't have to make a choice tonight because yeah. uh, it'd be it'd be completely difficult. But yeah, maybe it's a good time to move on to the next. Now, this is a bit of a weird matchup. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about how this one ended up. So this is the wild card entry for Square Enix. So it's Bravely Default versus Dusex. Now the reason they're up against each other is because technically Dusex is now owned by Square. Uh, I know it wasn't at the time, but I just couldn't, there, there wasn't any natural fit for Dusex. Like really it probably should be on the, in the Western conference against someone, but it, there just didn't feel like there was a good fit, but there's no way I, I could leave it off the top 32 and bravely default is unique in itself as well. So th- th- that's how they ended up, you know, together. It's going to be really difficult doing Apples the, to the side-by-side comparisons. <laughs> yeah, because it's so so weird. Like, and Deuce X was a computer game. Bravely Default's a 3DS game. Uh, I mean, graphics-wise, I, I have to give Bravely Default the the clear the clear uh, winner on this one. I, I mean, I don't know if it's fair because it's <laughs> it's a it's a much more modern game and. Um, you know, Deuce X is back in like early PC era, so it's the graphics aren't going to be terrific. But uh, if if we're trying to do our best to compare them, I I would have to lean towards uh, bravely in that department. Yeah, I'll be honest. I haven't played um, do do sex. Is that how you say? I always do sex. I'm okay. Do so can we skip straight to intangibles? I'm I'm giving bravely default the clear edge in intangibles because David is saying. Deus X wrong. Okay. Oh, De- Deus right. X. Right. There we Deus. go. Deus X. Okay. I was like, oh, right, because it's not D. D- I was like, okay, it sounded weird, and then I was like, did I always say wrong? It wouldn't be an episode if I didn't butcher some English language. It's true. I mean, yeah, I think you give it to bravely for the graphics, right? You know, like you said, apples and oranges a little bit here, but if you're just looking at the screenshots, and I should say, Deus X, I haven't played it. I'm looking at screenshots here. Like you said, it, it's dated, but it sort of looks, you know, sort of uh, more generic areas, if you will, you know, um, where I feel like Bravely Default really had such a wonderful art art, eh, art style. Um, and, you know, the 3D was really cool. And, and then even the, like, the accompanying art that wasn't in-game, but just, like, promotional stuff, you know, it's like, even that was, like, super gorgeous. Uh, and, and I just really love the style. But, like I said, I haven't played, uh, I haven't I- played the other one, so it's like... <laughs> Take my my votes here with a, a grain of salt. I can I can only speak to uh, yeah. So I haven't played the original Deus Ex either. I played the two kind of sequels, I guess. Mankind Divided and uh, Human Revolution. I actually quite enjoyed those. Um, I, I think it's hard to 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 me. It looks like a it looks like a shooter from the two thousands. Like I think it's it's mm-hmm. it's a style that was really really common. Uh, and and I get that it's doing different things, kind of gameplay wise. Uh, and story-wise, but I think Deus Ex, in terms of the graphics and visual style, are to me it is a little bit kind of common or, or generic, I suppose. Like, it's not a knock. I think a lot of games were doing that style at the time, and 
it's not it's also not the, really the focus of the game necessarily either so uh, i'll give i'm going to give the 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 clear edge to probably the default here because i think it, it was doing something different uh when it was released it, although i i say that it, it is similar to four heroes of light which we've mentioned on the podcast before but the even even the just the storybook presentation of bravely default and uh the way the the, the towns look especially i think is really really unique so uh, i'll give the clear edge there for that reason yeah, and I it goes along the same way, like like you said, with uh, Deus Ex. Deus Ex was a shooter at the time. I remember it being such a big deal. And I think a lot of it was is that it just had such an engaging story. I'm jumping ahead here to the story. But, I mean, I, to me, like, the if we... Since I I'm, I think, I guess I'm the only one who's played both, but um, I, I would give combat and soundtrack both to Bravely Default as well, because like you said, with the combat, they they just have a, a different system that you don't see in ver- very many RPGs. It is unique uh, in itself. Um, with the soundtrack, mm. uh, I mean, Ta- it, it's square. Like, so Next it's, level soundtrack. It's a, sure. y- yeah, you know, it's going to be great. I, I, I don't particularly remember the, the music per se from uh, Deus Ex, so it's it's... Not Obviously that memorable. Not something that yeah. stood out for me. Um, no, it was this. To me, it's the story that stood out. Like there, it had multiple endings uh, that you that you could determine uh, by the end and what how you wanted to go. Um, but did you have to replay uh, it I mean, four it, times? Uh, no, like <laughs> no, it, I know, I'm kidding. I a, a bravely yeah. joke, but maybe. the um, yeah, exactly. For uh, so for intangibles, what I would probably say is. I think uh, Deus Ex had a bigger impact it, it, at the time of when it came out than Bravely did. Um, like, I don't even really recall. Like, I, I came into Bravely much after the fact. Like, I don't even really remember it coming out. <laughs> so it didn't make a big impression on me originally. But I remember as a kid playing uh, Deus Ex and, and having my mind blown. So hey, Maybe Casey will be in the same camp as me. Like, I was super excited for Bravely Default to come out. Like, I, I remember that that was like a, a hotly anticipated release for for me and my group of friends. And so uh, I, I guess, you know, it dep- just depends on, you know, what, what your scene was at the time of some of these game releases, obviously. Um, I just want to touch back on combat mechanics for Deus Ex for a sec, um, or maybe kind of the game mechanics in general. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's one of the first kind of games to combine a lot of different genres, right? Like it's a first, it looks like a first person shooter, but there, there's stealth, there is kind of RPG mechanics, there's, you know, lock picking and, and different, uh, you know, skill trees maybe. And you can kind of, you can kind of customize who your character is. And I don't know that a lot of games in 2000 were doing that. So I I think Mm -hmm. that that's maybe one of the reasons why it really stands out or maybe why people remember it so much is that it might have been the first game to really blend so many genres that we actually see a lot of today, right? We see a lot of first-person shooters uh, and and action games in general borrow the same types of RPG and story mechanics that Deus Ex was maybe one of the first games to introduce. Yeah, I definitely think it was like a pioneer in that regard for... Mm -hmm. For a lot of the like, the open world stuff now, yeah, I, I I wish I could add anything about the soundtrack, story, or intangibles to Deus Ex, but having not played it, I would I would give the edge to to Brotherly Default and all those. Uh, but <laughs> I, I will, agree. I will speak to I will I, I will <laughs> speak from my experience of of the the other the the, the Deus Ex games I have played, 
And I think they're really fun, actually. Like, I think they, they create, like, a really kind of dystopian, cyberpunk-ish world. And I think it is a it is a fun world to be in. Uh, I, do, I do think that a game like Mass Effect might do Deus Ex even better than Deus Ex does. Like, I, I feel like it, it kind of one-ups uh, Deus Ex in some ways. Uh, uh, Deus Ex, yeah. maybe the fact that you can play Deus Ex in different ways... Like with the stealth and you know the 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 fact that you can kind of talk to people and that'll change uh, you know maybe the mission parameters or you can solve objectives in different ways that might be a little more advanced than something like Mass Effect is doing. But uh, yeah, I I, I I can't say that you know the Deus Ex games were, were hugely hugely memorable for me, even if I did enjoy playing uh, the second and third games that mm. I did. Yeah, like I I played Mankind Divided and I I really enjoyed it. I... I think the the like the combat is is more enjoyable in uh, Mankind Divided than in the Mass Effect series, but um, I think Mass Effect story is much more engaging. Yeah, and it's got all these ca- interesting characters. Like in yeah. in the Deus Ex games, like it's really just the main character. I don't know that a lot of the side characters get a, maybe get a lot of attention, or I certainly can't remember any f- uh, from my playthroughs. So yeah, I don't know mm. what it is. Maybe the stealth. Uh, st- kind of stuff or vibes you get from it but I don't, this series never has interested me like at all um but yeah i don't i don't know i it, it's interesting because yeah it, it does seem to have such a high regard um obviously you know we're talking about the first one you know very impactful game you know within the landscape but even the the follow-ups have all gotten pretty uh you know positive you know again i'm not super into it but it all that you know the vibes i get are people really enjoy these games but uh but yeah bravely default we're you know we're on the uh prefaces of uh the second one in a couple months here and uh, you know mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. i'm excited for that and like i said the original one it, it's yep, just same. really a great game super fun amazing music and stuff yeah the story is you know it's it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination but you know nothing crazy to write home about uh but yeah, no, I, I definitely bravely, man. Great game. Mm-hmm. Well, this this contest might come down to at least you know in terms of our our audience and our listeners, our patrons voting on these two games. It might just be like, you know, which one did you grow up with, you know, or yeah. or which one of you, which one did you actually play between the two? And you know, there's going to be games in this contest that are like that, where people have played one but not the other, and they're going to side that way. And you know, that's okay. That's that's part of you know figuring out uh, uh, what uh, what people like the most. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Well, speaking of Nintendo, we've got uh, the Nintendo division up next, starting with Pokemon Yellow versus Earthbound. Now, I, I know we've all played these games. <laughs> oh, yes. And, uh, yeah, again, they're a little bit, uh, I mean, around the same time period, I think, too. Pokemon Yellow, I think, would be a couple years after Earthbound. Earthbound might be, not, was it 94, 95? Earthbound and then Pokemon was B. earlier. Uh, Earthbound was, and and especially yeah, if we're so, focusing on Yellow, because that one, you know, obviously would have been released, um, you know, after the originals. As yeah. Well. So Earthbound is yeah. Earthbound is middle of twenty middle of twenty fifteen. So pretty late, oh, you know, pretty late Super 2015. Nintendo game. Uh, and sorry, nineteen ninety five. I don't know. Was he looking yeah. at the like uh, the Wii U release? <laughs> yeah, and this then is the Red... problem when I'm, I'm not yeah. having my decaf yeah. coffee anymore, I can't concentrate. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Pokemon Yellow was Pokemon Yellow was ninety eight, so there were three yeah. years between them. But you know, not not a huge gap. You know, I think there's probably a lot of people that you know might have might have played both of these games too, uh, even though they are fairly different. Yeah, I think uh, Earthbound gets the clear victory in the graphics department. I don't know. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, uh, Earthbound. Yeah, again, <laughs> I really, you know, Super Nintendo, right? It's just, it's just such a beautiful system, right? Because it was like the last system to really mm. rely completely on the pixel graphics, you know, and so they've mastered yeah. it, you know, over the course of obviously NES and then, you know, refined it on the Super Nintendo and, um, you know, Nintendo always gets the most out of what they make. So, uh, you know, especially those late Super mm-hmm. Nintendo games, right? The games that came out really close to the launch of the Absolutely N64. Absolutely gorgeous games. You know, we've, men- we've mentioned, we're, we're mentioning three of them now, right? Chrono Trigger, FF6, and Earthbound, all late Super Nintendo games that really, really push that console to its yep, maximum. Yeah, and, and then again, as far as graphics, just the, the different environments and, you know, if we want to wrap in, like, the kooky characters you meet and, uh, and the enemy design along yeah, the yeah, way, it's sure. just, uh, yeah, I mean, Earthbound, you know, Obviously, you look at the other side of Pokemon, you have 150, um, 151, if you count Mew, you know, unique, interesting looking Pokemon as well. But obviously, the, the Game Boy um, is not going to be able to compete, you know, and obviously Yellow yeah, added some limitations yeah, there. Yellow added a few more flares, you know, you know, you got Pikachu following mm-hmm. you and stuff. But uh, but yeah, easy win here for Earthbound. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll give that clear edge to Earthbound. Now, uh. I don't know if Jordan's going to disagree with me or not, but I would give the clear combat mechanics to Pokemon. I now, don't like you saying clear. <laughs> no, I'm I'm going clear. That's one of my biggest beasts with Earthbound was... Uh, I, I, I get what they were trying to do with the combat system in Earthbound, like the, the uniqueness of it, but it just didn't click with me. And um, what did click with me was the, the Pokemon. Like, it's very structured, the, the, the Pokemon. Like... The, the moves do, like, you always know what the moves are going to do, like, the, the amount of hits. Like, you, you can develop a strategy. I love the super effective, or, you know, mm-hmm. versus not effective, and all those yeah, sorts the of things. Like, and, uh, I, yeah, like, I get, like, again, personal preference, I suppose, but I really love the structured combat systems that I can manipulate based on like stability or consistency like that's where my where i enjoy like you get into the earthbound and all of a sudden you've got like things missing and um different levels of like you know is it going to do this much damage or that much damage the 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 randomness of it really bothered me i don't know bothered is a so you're saying when you played pokemon you you never used horn drill or or fissure or any of those one hit ko attacks that only have a 30 percent hit rate what what about never i always shot that that's two to five uh attacks (laughs) yeah yeah no not consistent enough casey we're not gonna learn sorry sorry radicate or whoever or or nidorino we're not gonna learn that one tell you what has been consistent (laughs) uh it is the gameplay because it hasn't changed in like 20 plus years um you know, it with the new games, yeah. it's pretty much the same. Um, but yeah, I, I would give. I like the simplicity of it, and I like the fact that you got your team right. You got your six team, um, and you can really any which way you want. You know, and then you know, like David said, you start going the you know effective, not effective. You know the you know the composition of your party matters. You know what kind of Pokemon you're going to get in there, how they sort of synergize with one another. Um, I think is really fun and interesting and. I mean, one of the biggest draws, right? It's go out there, catch the Pokemon, and build this cool team. And, you know, sure, there were some Pokemon that, you know, everyone had. You know, obviously you have the starters, you know. I, I could think of, like, Alakazam, right? Like, I feel like he was, like, a staple in a lot of people's um, so different good. parties, yeah, you know. So 
any 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 Pokemon that had recover, yeah, that was... right? Like if you had recover or a way Chauncey to get health dude? back, like you 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 wanted a Pokemon like that on your team because th- then you you felt really safe. Like that could be like your yeah your your heavy hitter, or your your kind of guaranteed uh you know strong Pokemon or the the one that you can bring in to clean up whatever like. Having recover mm. was just huge. Like everyone had star me for the same reason. Yeah, no, and that was like mm. I said. I, back in the day, I actually had it where um, my brother and my two neighbors, like all all four of us, were really into it. You know, so it was cool to have that. Like, all right, yep. let's put these teams together. And you know, yeah, I was just a dumb young kid, and my brother just you know wiped the floor with me. But uh, but yeah, I, I I like the simplicity, but also that there is that depth, just because there are so many different Pokemon. Uh, so I'm gonna go slight edge to Earthbound. No I, surprise. I, I, this, is, this is probably gonna be a. Th- <coughs> oh, sorry. Hey, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought it's a I've lost my train of thought now. Uh, my 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 my. I don't know if this is gonna be a recurring theme with me in this contest. Is is kind of honing in on one specific small or, or unique element, and maybe that and that being the thing that determines it. I I, I love Pokemon Combat. But don't get me wrong. I I, I love. How, how accessible it is, you know, that, that you know, whatever your skill level or familiarity with Pokemon, you can you can definitely get into it. I really, really appreciate that. But for Earthbound, the fact that one of the greatest mechanics it has has not really been duplicated anywhere else is it blows my mind when I think about it. And that's the rolling HP meter. I love the rolling HP mm. meter. It has saved me so many times playing this game, and I can't believe that that mechanic isn't used more regularly in turn-based RPGs. I I don't understand that because I think I think it's really really cool. I think it adds this kind of really interesting risk reward uh, proposition. The fact that you can you can you can heal and your HP is going up and you get hit and it starts rolling back down and you can win the fight as it's counting down. I, I think it's just it's a it's just a really interesting thing. Uh, that's added to this very, very simple uh, kind of basic combat of Earthbound that, that really livens it up. And so I'll give the slight edge there because yeah, of I that. Yeah, I think that's a, an interesting thing. Yeah, it, it adds a little bit more, like, thinking quick on your feet, right? Like, oh, crap! Like, it, yep. it's rolling down, yep. I gotta make a move quick, and it sort of rewards that player who has that sort of quick, um, you know, reaction and, and sort of really paying attention, right? Like, if you're sort of half-assing it watching TV, like... Oh, you're dead, you know, and, and you might not have even realized it had a chance. But, you know, if you're actually focused in, it is cool to sort of have that like, hey, you should have died, but you didn't. And, and I feel like that's always a good like, feeling. Like, you know, we, we all we all live for that moment where you're fighting the boss and you've got like one more hit against them before you die. Or like you need you need your next hit, your next attack or your next spell to beat them. You get that constantly because of the rolling HP meter. So you're you're constantly in these really tense situations where you're gambling. And I I don't know. To me, I, I like that tension in an RPG. Like I I don't I don't find that frustrating. I I, I like that kind of challenge. And I I like getting that moment where it's a will he won't he uh, in terms of victory uh, against a lot of uh, the the tougher fights there. So I'll, I'll go for that one. And uh, I'm just gonna lump the next two together just to speed things up because I, I don't want us to get too far behind but soundtrack and story i would i would big both pokemon give, no um the edge to earthbound <laughs> yeah because like the soundtrack uh i i just think the it's there's memorable music in game boy but obviously mm-hmm. like the limitations of the system there's only so much that can be done and earthbound has uh, an amazing soundtrack so uh, i don't think there's uh, too much arguments that can be made there and then the story itself is i i just think like pokemon has a pretty simplistic story 
really. There's there's not a whole much whole lot of depth to it, whereas there's obviously uh, much more depth <laughs> on the Earthbound side. So I think both in both those cases, uh, Earthbound is a clear. Has yeah, a clear I agree. You know what Pokemon's really like? Hey, go out and be a Pokemon master, beat the Elite Four. You know, it, it, there are like. It almost feels more like, hey, here are some, you know, checkpoints or, you know, or a bullet list for you to check off as you go and explore this world where, yeah, obviously, uh, you know, with Earthbound, it's a much more focused thing. And, and what's really cool is just all the wacky things, you know, that as you're going through and and it, I, it's amazing. I, easy, a, a clear victory on there. Uh, same with the soundtrack. Um, soundtrack, excuse me. Uh, Earthbound, again, really great soundtrack. It's got that nice Super Nintendo, you know, sound bit working. Um, I do think with Pokemon, right, it's like there are some iconic songs um, and like, I mean, Lavender Town when you get the Pokemon Tower and stuff, like mm-hmm, sort of eeriness. Um, and I, I honestly, I think the simplicity of the Game Boy makes in that instant that song way creepier, right? Like just the like it, it very unsettling. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, but at the end of the day, very simplistic. Uh, and some of these songs obviously would be recreated, if not probably all of them, uh, with like full instruments. And you know, yeah. and you hear it, and you go, you know, m- then I think you could have a conversation between the two, which is better. But if we're going straight out of the game, uh, yeah, at Earthbound again with the, the clear victory. Yep, I mean, I think the Pokemon soundtrack is actually underrated. I think it's, I think it's excellent. Um, I think that the what they were able to do on the Game Boy hardware, uh, and and just a it, this this soundtrack that really kind of like suits the gameplay and the world so well. Uh, but yeah, I think I think Earthbound just it's um, uh, the variety of the music. The I, I think it's I think it's catchier. I think that uh, uh, it, it's very evocative of that game too. Um, just just a little bit more depth than than Pokemon has. Uh, story, yeah, I mean, it's it's not again. It, in some ways, it's not fair because Pokemon Yellow, uh, the story is uh, takes a back seat to I think the 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 experience of playing it, and especially playing it with other people. Um, but I'll save that for intangibles. Um, the the Earthbound story is a great one. You know, the, the 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 it's really about friendship. It's about leaving home. It's about you know. Um, it's about family, right? Like Ness's family is a huge part of the game uh, and his friends almost become like surrogates for his family in a way, uh, especially his father that's not there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think the Earthbound story is great. Like I, I, you know, could, I remember very specific beats of it and, um, kind of goes hand in hand with a, a very, very interesting world too. And for the intangibles, uh, I'm going to take a very simplistic view and say that Pokemon gets the, uh, the the, the slight edge or the or the or the clear edge i don't know one of the two because one is a cultural phenomenon phenomenon and the other uh franchise is dead so i mean how dare how dare you <laughs> <laughs> well hey let's not... fan made mother four coming well, <laughs> yes. oh gosh i was gonna say let's not forget the intangibles that earthbound came in that big old box with the player's guide so and good. the scratch and sniff stickers within that that guide so that's definitely intangible but yeah i mean obviously pokemon right um you know only one of the most recognizable you know franchises with pikachu and and everything and now eevee they're really pushing eevee um Mm -hmm. yeah you know pokemon there uh for sure i mean the biggest intangible and why you have to give the clear edge to pokemon is that the fact that that not only is it a worldwide phenomenon but it, it 
it brought people together. It, it, it's a it's a JRPG that you play kind of as a community, right? You I, the game really really opens up and is meant to be enjoyed with friends, with other players, right? From from trading to battling to you know talking about collecting them all and and in your own making your own team, your own kind of experience with the game. Like we have nothing else is like that, right? And other games have tried to emulate. Pokemon elements of Pokemon Yellow to varying degrees of success, and I don't think that any game has really one-upped Pokemon, which is amazing, actually. That you know all the all the talented developers and you know millions of dollars put into game development, and I don't think anyone has really outdone Pokemon, or maybe maybe they just haven't really tried because it's such a behemoth, and you know, kind of getting into that is going to be really tough. Um, I, I will give. Uh, uh, this is kind of, I guess, related to story, but I, I think Earthbound's humor is its strongest intangible. I think I think it's a, a, such a funny, funny game uh, with so many kind of unique characters and, and odd, uh, unique, yeah. yeah, just just odd and weird, and uh, it's delightful in that way that you don't, if you've never played it, you don't really know what people are going to say. I, I, whenever I play the game, I always talk to NPCs again just to remember the funny and, and just kind of you know offbeat stuff that they say it's really really cool so uh, i will get i will give the clear edge to pokemon but you know props to earthbound for uh being one of the, the funniest games certainly one of the ones with the the best uh, uh npc dialogue that i've ever played yeah i was going to mm-hmm. say the the clear win there is really at no fault of earthbounds as much as pokemon just being a, a true behemoth you know a trading card game anime countless movies and and other spin-off games and you know it just like you said it pokemon's got the most intangibles probably of any game on this list you know so for sure for sure yep and finishing up uh, our eastern conference matchups and the nintendo division is xenoblade chronicles 1 versus xenoblade chronicles 2 now uh i'll also say that in this case i think we should compare the definitive edition of Xenoblade Chronicles to 2, just because I think the definitive edition is the better version of the of Xenoblade Chronicles. And the most uh, readily think, available as well. Yeah, and um, and really, like, I don't know. I, I played it on the Wii. I don't think the Wii is a terrific way of playing RPGs in general. Are we going to include uh, Torna with Xenoblade Chronicles 2? I'd say no. Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. I know it's technically DLC, but it feels like it's if yeah, it's I mean they sold they sold it standalone, right? I was gonna I say I have that so. inbox on a cartridge, you know what I mean? Yeah, me yeah too. to me, me that's too. like a, a standalone for sure. Sure, that's fine. Yeah, just clarifying. Yeah. That's good. No, but uh, especially when you compare two Switch games to each other, I think it becomes a little bit uh, of a closer matchup. Especially like with graphics, I think the Xenoblade Chronicles the the upgrade in graphics at least brings it to uh, a little bit more on Makes par it a conversation. With Xenoblade Chronicles two. Yeah, it puts it in the conversation. I still mm-hmm. think that Xenoblade Chronicles two gets the edge. I just think the environments, to me, the environments were were more interesting in Chronicles uh, two. Especially, I, I mean, there's the whole like handheld versus uh, docked. Uh, if you played in docked, it certainly looked beautiful. Yeah, I... uh, especially uh, like the Uriah, I think it was with uh, with all of the environmental aspects to it, like the flower petals in the air and that sort of thing. Like I just found the designs much more, uh, much better in the, in the second version. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny because yeah, obviously we're gonna I'm gonna give the edge to you know Chronicles two as far as graphics again uh, from a 
you know, actual horsepower, all that stuff. But yeah, I think both worlds are super interesting. And I think two leads itself more. Obviously, there are more areas uh, to explore in the sense of like completely, you know, separate areas. So they can really, you know, go buck wild, you know, without trying to any continuity, you know, where obviously in one you're sort of working it up. And again, you're getting like as you get more north, you're getting into some snow and stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean... Again, you can look at the characters. I know that was a big point of contention as far as the original release of uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 1 was like, man, these characters look so ugly. You know, like the the, the faces <laughs> look like oatmeal cookies. You know, it's like it, it's it was rough. You know, obviously now on the Switch, um, you know, they've updated those, making them look much better. But I still think, again, yeah, I, I'd give the edge to uh, the second one, the sequel. Um but really, like you said, with the the Switch definitive version, they they really bumped that up, and and honestly, it's it doesn't lose out by much. Yeah, I think uh, I mean I I agree with you guys are saying I, I I think that Xenoblade Chronicles one the problem is that more of the environments in the game look the same as others. Like you have you have uh, bigger uh, less uh, less uh, in number uh, environments that are bigger. And then in Xenoblade Chronicles 2, you have a greater number that are smaller. And so you get more of that variety in Chronicles 2, uh, which I really appreciate about that game. Um, if if we were doing this, and we're not, but if we threw Xenoblade Chronicles X into the matter, into the mix, I think I might, I might even give the edge there. I know it's a Wii U game, but I think in terms of j- just visually, I think I'm more blown away by that game. But of the two Chronicles games, I think I'll give the slight edge to Chronicles 2 here. Yeah, and for combat... Uh... I'm gonna. I'm just gonna be honest and say I. I very much disliked the combat in the first Xenoblade Chronicles. I didn't like the the setup where like you had to do certain attacks in different orders, and I really loved the the way the blades were set up in Xenoblade Chronicles Two, where you would you would go into like the you do where different blades had like just meshed well together and that you could com- do combos off of each other into like the mega attacks at the very end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I have to give the, the clear and concise victory of the combat system in two over, over the original. Yeah. I, I wouldn't go with the, you know, big advantage, um, you know, for two over one. I, I still will give two the edge, but uh, actually going back and replaying the first one with the definitive edition you know, because in my mind, and it, I guess just the recency bias, right? I was like, I am in the firm camp that Chronicles Two is a better game. You know, um, but going back, it it definitely was like, okay, it, it is a lot closer than what I was thinking in my my mind. And even so, right now, I couldn't tell you which one. Um, but I think as far as combat goes, yeah, I'm leaning with Two. I, I love. I I'm still very much into Chronicles One's gameplay, but I think they just sort of did some cool things with Two that you know, sort of spiced it up, changed it around a little bit. Um, it can definitely be pretty intimidating to a new player. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I <laughs> they, they throw a lot at you and, and it you know, more things unlock and you're like, you know, your head might be spinning a little bit. But, uh, you know, when you sort of understand it and grasp it, it, it feels really rewarding to pull off uh, some crazy things. But again, sort of to pull a Jordan here, if we were talking about Torna as well, I'd even say like, I love the changes they made from, you know, the the base game of 2 to Torna even I yeah. thought were like really awesome changes and and again like, you know, Chronicles 2 is a long game, so 
And again, you know, Torna didn't come out for a long time after that. But if you were to play them back to back, it would really, it'd be such a refreshing, like, oh, wow, I played 100 hours of this game. And now all of a sudden it's like flipped it on its head a little bit um, and give me something new to work with. Yeah, I, I agree with with what Torna does. I think I think that's one of the. I didn't prefer Torna to the second game, but I did like the combat a little bit better. Um, I, I, the Xenoblade Chronicles Two combat does take longer to figure out, I think, than the first game. But I think ultimately, when you do figure it out, it's more satisfying to kind of uh, become skilled at it and, and really piece together those bigger combos. Uh, I think that this is kind of the way that it looks when you pull off things. It, it, it's more impressive as well uh, with all the different blades that you can bring in. But uh, yeah, slight. I'll give a slight, just a slight edge because I think the uh, after playing the definitive edition of uh, the first game, I, I do think that that combat is also very, very satisfying. So slight edge to Chronicles Two. That brings us uh, to the soundtrack, which is pretty much pretty much the same team. I know there. Mitsuda did a, a bit of a different uh, mix to it in the in the Chronicles Two with the I can't remember the name, but they have like the Celtic uh, band there that w- that he grabbed while they were in Japan. Um, yeah, I'd have to just give the sl- the slight edge I think to Chronicles Two for the for the music. I just think I, I just prefer it myself over the original. This one's a little tough for me. Originally, I, I was going to be like, well. It's a tie, right? They're both really great. Like I said, you know, a lot of the same people working on it, and it's a direct sequel, right? So it, they've, they've mm-hmm. got similar vibes for sure. But uh, I almost feel like I would give the slight advantage to one only because, like, there are a few songs that, you know, when I think of Xenoblade as a whole, like, you know, there are a handful of songs that pop in my head, and, and, like, there are just a few more from the original that sort of come to mind when I just off a quick thought, you know? Um, but again, both really great. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Yoko Shimamura was involved with the first game soundtrack, but not the second. Um, I do think it's very, very close. Um, uh, you know, depending on the day I might choose one over the other. I think that, uh, uh, gosh, where is it? The, there's the main, the main kind of theme you hear, the, the uh, Gower planes, Gower planes, Gower yeah, planes the one that's in, in Smash Bros. In, yeah, the, so Gower planes in in Xenoblade Chronicles, I think, is probably the best uh, the best uh, music uh, of, of uh, in either game. And so I'm going to give slight edge to the first game for that. I, I do I do really like the some of the battle themes in Xenoblade Chronicles too. Uh, but yeah, the, the, it's almost too close to call, except for the fact that Gower planes uh, has the day and night themes. I think they're both really good. Yeah, like I said, it, it sort of just, you know, that that was the one that popped into my head too right away. Right? Yeah. So yeah. it's like, they're both amazing, but that one, yeah. What's the first and song I can't, you're thinking I, and I about? Can't cu- I can't come up with one for Xenoblade Chronicles 2 that's as iconic as that song. So Yeah, no, that for sure. slightish to the first game. For sure. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm going to mix up the, the last two just uh, for time's sake uh, as well. as To me, the, they go hand in hand. Uh, story and intangibles the i will give that i think shulk is probably the the stronger um protagonist over rex but the i just preferred the story of two over one and at the end of the day intangibles for me it was that xenoblade chronicles 2 i put in in my first playthrough i put in like 120 hours and it didn't it felt like nothing and then I started it again and put like another 40 hours in and only stopped because I got distracted by something else. And Xenoblade Chronicles 1, uh, I was counting down to when I was done because I was like, 
done with that game. <laughs> mm, mm. Um, yeah, going for me, story-wise, uh, I like them both for sure. I think the first one has a little bit stronger of a sort of like, you know, I don't know, it, it, more of a driving force. Not to say the second one didn't. Um, again, I almost want to say even on that one, like, it's really hard to pick which one because, like I said, I, I like the story in both of them. Um, ah, I'm going to tie. Intangibles, you've got what's interesting about uh, Xenoblade 1, right? Obviously, the whole freaking, oh, it's not going to come to America. Oh, you know what I mean? Like the whole um, project Rainfall, getting it over mm. here in, to begin with. And then for all of that nonsense... It, for it to turn out to be one of now Nintendo's, you know, flagpole t- series, right? I mean, yeah. it sold over two million. Uh, the second one on Switch, which for JRPG, you know, that's that's pretty crazy, you know. So, uh, I I think that is really strong on that front. And then more of a personal intangible for me with the second one is, you know, it was pretty early on with the Switch, right? Within the first year, it was released on the Switch, and um. David and I would play and we would talk about this all day in Slack. Like it was, it was like, that was one of the most fun experiences, like having it be a very much a single player game, but it was very much, it felt like a joint experience. Um, you know, and, and that's like, man, too bad. Freaking Jordan wasn't around. <laughs> uh, David forgot to mention during uh, his discussion of the intangibles that, uh, he prefers shell cause he doesn't, doesn't like Rex's costume. He doesn't like the, uh, I, don't, I don't even know what you would call them. The like sailor the, boy? Yeah, the overalls with the, I, I, I don't even know how to describe what, what Rex is wearing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quite weird. Uh, yeah, so story, I think I think Shelk's journey is ultimately more memorable. I think he's the better character. I think he's better written than Rex is. I think that um, I, the, the world, I think, of Xenoblade Chronicles 2 might have uh, a little more to offer, but the the, the fight between the Bionis and the Conus, like it, it's such a uh, that that kind of like really large build up, I think is very. Uh, and then then the fact that you you know uh, you you yeah. end up kind of like interacting with them later, and the you, you see kind of the um, the even the two just these two these two kind of like land masses, then this history between them, like yeah, it, it just feels more. Um, it has more gravity to it. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's more. There's just more uh, energy to it, I guess. So uh, I'll give story to Xenoblade Chronicles slight edge. Uh, intangibles. I'm going to give to Xenoblade Chronicles two for all the blades. I, I think that the the fact that there's all the different blades you can recruit. Uh, I, I think that I think the cast. We know uh, why I think Jordan prefer- really likes those blades. Uh, yep. I, I <laughs> hey, I'm not I'm not averse to that. Like I I, I don't I don't mind. I, uh, and. I, I like I, I thought the characters were just more interesting overall. Like I, I like I really liked Morgan and uh, or Moran 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 Morag Morag, baby uh, Morag. Sorry, yeah, I, li- I liked Morag. I, I liked uh, um, what was the the guy's name who made Poppy? Uh, the uh, the uh, he's uh, oh the uh, um Tatsu not nope not Tatsu that was from X. Um, yeah. Oh What's man, the uh, name? I can't believe I'm <laughs> blanking his name. Oh my god, hold on. No pawn in Xenoblade Chronicles too. I think he. I, I think I think be- him. I'm ashamed. And building Poppy is really cool. Of course, his freaking a whole no pawn uh, wiki page here. Tora, Tora. Oh yeah, there no, it is. I, I think Tora. Yeah, I, I like. I really like Tora as a character. I, I think I always. Just more, I love the no pawn. They, they are. They're they're a great race in both games. I, but I, I I just think the overall cast is stronger. Ricky 
Uh, th- oh, I love this... Nia too because she was. Yeah, she, she's great. They, oh, she'll tell you how it is. You know, the... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they, and so yeah, I, I give the intangible to the cast of Xenoblade Chronicles two over. There's just, they, they feel like friends. They feel like they're you know there there's humor and there's uh you know they don't always take themselves so seriously. Whereas in, in Chronicles one, like I. The, the story, I guess, it kind of it is it feels a little bit more serious or a little bit more dire. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like the lighthearted, uh, even the back and forth between like Pyra and Mithra and Rex. Like it, that's all really great. So I'll give intangible to, to two as well. Yeah, it sort of has that <clears throat> like uh, um, Chrono Trigger Final Fantasy three or Final Fantasy six vibe, right? Where it's like sure. Chrono Trigger is a little bit more leisurely, as in, you know, you can sort of take your time. Same with two, where yeah, like the first one, uh, Xenoblade. Yeah, it, it seems like you said more urgent, like. Mm-hmm. Man, things are going to happen if we aren't making moves. Yeah, exactly. Well, that takes us uh, to the Western Conference. We got four more left, and I'm looking at the time and thinking we might we're going to have to speed it along a little bit, a uh, little bit more than we have been. But hold on, David, I have to bring this up because Casey and I have seen like we're talking about it. Are you not looking at the notes and what Casey and I have been writing yeah. in the notes? Oh no, I've been. <laughs> Yeah, we put. He was like, maybe we should do oh, all these tonight. I put. I put in all caps yeah. in the notes, just above the listing of the games. I don't well, think we can do all these tonight. And then I put maybe the cut X, a few. I put the X Casey on and I started bravely. putting X's. And then he's and like, oh, next I wasn't up, even... we've got the Square Enix division. The, the, the first oh, one, man. Casey's put an X beside it. We started I, talking about it. Like I had a handwritten notes I've been looking at. Uh, so, yeah. Well, uh, it's all good. If, well, why don't we? Why don't we cut it? I I don't want to shortchange the Western Conference. Maybe do, we should. Uh, do, do one more have... at least. Like one more. I, we got to do this one with Casey. Yeah, Morris. yeah. Do it. So right, this one, but... God forbid, I can't make it next week or something. Then yeah. yeah. Okay. You two will be so like. We'll do one oh. on the Western side. Yeah. yeah do this one. This is Diablo two versus World of Warcraft. Oh Lord. Well, yeah, okay. I... So I, Casey, uh, clear edge to actually. I don't. I don't know if you're gonna be where you're gonna be here. Like I know you play a ton of World of Warcraft, but you also have an extreme fondness for Diablo too. So this could be more interesting than I think. Oh yeah, no, there is absolutely no clear cut winner here. I'll I'll make that up front. Good, good, good. Um, I guess I'll just uh, take the helm here for the most part. Um, I, yeah. I know obviously. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it to both to you two because I haven't. I've played World of Warcraft with you, Casey. <laughs> that, yeah, that, was... that is the extent of it. So I, I don't. I don't feel like I can really contribute, so I'll I'll let you two guys uh, run with this one. All right, yeah. So I guess uh, we'll go with D two because you know obviously Jordan will be able to partake in that one. So if we're looking at the graphics, um, it's going to be strange because World of Warcraft has had such a long, um, storied uh, lifespan, right? Where if mm-hmm. you look at the graphics from you know day one versus where if you look at the graphics now, you'd be like, the holy cow, you know. So um, I think. I mean, I, I, if we're going with a, the fluidity of World of Warcraft, you know, over the, the course of the lifespan, right, um, you know, Warcraft's probably got better graphics, you know, especially now, like, a lot of the new zones are really gorgeous, uh, a lot of cool spells and armor sets and stuff, but Diablo 2, you know, it's got its charm, uh, you know, it's the isometric sort of, like, you know, it was released in 2000, right, so it's got that you know, it is definitely not the most beautiful game, but what it lacks in uh, graphical fidelity, it it makes up for in atmosphere and like setting and tone. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know they work with what they have, and I think it's incredible. But uh, I mean, again, like it's they're really like like we're talking in the Square Enix division, sort of difficult to compare the two. Um, 
you know, World of Warcraft also has a very more cartoony look to it a little bit. Uh, yeah. And I think that's important with a game that's going to, you know, that is 15 plus years old. You know, obviously, uh, you know, if you have a super realistic, hyper realistic uh, graphics uh, art style, it's not going to last the test of time here. So um, I, I, I guess, you know, it's sort of weird, but I'd give the nod to World of Warcraft, uh, but not by much. Yeah, I would too. I, I don't think Diablo 2's graphics hold up as much. I think it I think it's tough that top down perspective. I think it was good at the time. Uh it was it was it really did a good job of kind of like building on what Diablo 1 had done. I I might even say the first game in some ways visually might hold up better. Uh just all the I think of some of the different environments like the jungles in Diablo 2 and the deserts. I I don't I don't know that they uh, are as visually appealing as they were when that first game came out. And I think the drop-off is more, much more significant, whereas World of Warcraft, like, I think anyone could look at the game when it first came out and even now, and you'd still kind of recognize it and still think, oh, you know, this is very, very playable, very accessible. Um, and that that art style that they chose for it was smart because they they knew that that could last uh, for for a game that is intended to uh, you know be go- ongoing, right? So yeah, I'll give the I'll, I agree with you, Case. I'll go World of Warcraft, uh, slight edge on the graphics. Yeah, it's funny too. You look at like all the quote unquote WoW killers, you know, like the other MMOs that come out, and yeah, a lot of them do the like more realistic art style and like even at the time of release it's like it doesn't look great because just the nature of like so many people in the same area and stuff and then it's like what's this going to look like in three years if it actually you know lasts that long you know so uh Mm -hmm. yeah definitely smart of the uh the dev team to go with that route and and even so you were saying still you know look at the very first iterations you know sort of uh stands uh the test of time i mean classic just released you know a year and change ago and people are playing it and loving it and you know exactly. even you go back yeah. like yeah like they're you know they're not the most smooth models of all time but like yeah they, they still very much uh do the job yeah and i don't think you could do the same thing for something like diablo 2 i think i think people after having played diablo 3 and looking forward to diablo 4 seeing it a little bit I think it really, really makes it hard to go back, whereas World of Warcraft's not really like that. You can play more recent versions, more recent expansions, and it's not going to sour you. It obviously hasn't soured anybody on returning to the beginnings of that game. Mm. Mm. Uh, now, if we're going to look at combat mechanics, hooey! Again, very, very different, right? These are different games, of course, but uh, mm-hmm. you look at World of Warcraft... I, you know, there are more classes than in uh, Diablo. I believe Diablo has seven. Diablo 2, right? Um, yeah, I, five plus the two plus from the, the expansion. expansions, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the Druid and the Necromancer. Um, yeah, so you got seven. Oh, Druid and the Assassin. Assassin, that's right. The Necro is, yep, that's right. Um, World of Warcraft, I think, is up to like 10 or 11. I don't mm-hmm. know if I could count them, but I'm not going to. Uh, the combat, right, gameplay. So, you know, Diablo 2 action RPG, very much you're clicking around, you're, you know, you're casting your your spell with right click and, you know, you could change yep. it on the fly. You know, you're, you're going to use your one through four keys on potions and, uh, you know, that's that. You're, you know, you're going to level up killing monsters and, and getting yep. new abilities and definitely cool. You got the talent tree and how, you know, they synergize with one another, right? So, and, and that was added into the game but like oh i can Mm -hmm. have this uh you know firewall um 
but it's actually improved if I have more points in fireball, which is earlier in the tree, you know, so they all work together, which is cool. Um, and, and, you know, all sorts of different builds. Now, what's interesting is, you know, you sort of make a character and you're locked into that decision. Uh, they have, yeah. again, added things where you can reset your talents, but like, I think you can only do it three times ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like a quest re- reward. So, um, yeah, it, it's very punishing on that sense. And you sort of got to know exactly what you want going into it. Yeah, you gotta plan. You gotta kind of plan out the whole thing. I remember like flipping through strategy guides. I almost I feel like I spent more time reading strategy guides sometimes than actually playing the game because I'd be planning out. Uh, I remember uh, when the expansion came out, I had I had an expan- uh, expansion kind of handbook that showed me like all the druid abilities and the assassin abilities and like the druid was a really interesting one to kind of build out because you you kind of you want if you wanted to choose like a spellcaster. Or if you wanted to focus on either being like a werewolf or being uh, a werebear, uh, <laughs> like it, it really felt like you were going for a totally different style. And I remember like agonizing over the decision of what kind of druid I wanted to play as. Really, really interesting character. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. Combat mechanics are really tough because I, they're they're. I think for both games, it's actually quite simple uh, in terms of what you do. It's not overly complicated. Like you're you're kind of. In both cases, you're kind of pointing and clicking, you know, like you're you're clicking on enemies in Diablo 2 from a different perspective, but you're you're almost doing the same thing. Obviously, you're you're cycling through abilities, uh, many more different abilities in World of Warcraft, all, all the abilities kind of on your hot uh, your hotkeys or your hot bar at the bottom. Whereas Diablo 2, you're probably not using that many different abilities. Like, I think if you're if you're a sorceress and you have a frozen orb. You're probably sticking with Frozen Orb for for considering it's the most powerful ice ability. You're probably sticking with that uh, for most of the playthrough from that point forward. So there's maybe less variety or less you can do uh, in Diablo two once you get to that kind of that upper end of the character. Yeah, I, I remember like, oh, I'm playing a paladin, and you'd be like, well, are you gonna be a hammeredin or are you gonna be a zealadin? You know, and it was like one of those. Yeah. yeah. You very much pick your ability, and yeah, it's like that's the ability you are using, and and like you said, maybe there be a utility. Uh, spell you could cast a little bit but pretty much it's spamming the one where you know obviously world of warcraft is much more about getting your rotation down um you know and and doing those things and i and i would say obviously the bosses are more in you know in depth as well you know diablo you know you get there are end bosses where you know they're tough and they do things um but even like you know in WoW, as you're playing in dungeons, which, you know, aren't even necessarily high-level dungeons, they're still bosses with mechanics, you know, and sure, like, the mm-hmm. lower levels are easier, but there's still things you have to do and pay attention to, so, you know, to me, the gameplay is more fun in WoW, um, you know, and then it gets to to the point where it's like, oh, now I'm going to try and do more damage than everyone else, you know, I'm going to try, you know, if you're a healer, do more heals than other people in the raid kind of thing, so I I think there's more variety, again, just by the nature of the game, right, like it, it, of course, it's going to be more in depth, but, you know, the simplicity of Diablo 2 is appealing as well, you know, like like you said, you could sort of, this is what I want to do, um, you know, this is the spell I like, and I'm going to build my character around that. And you don't really need to do too much research. Like, of course, you can, but like, you know, you could you can make way where wow, if you really want to be good, you're doing yeah. a lot of research and stuff. You know, online, like you're you're going to read up on your class. You're going to see why these abilities do more damage and how they interact with different things. So, um, again, like I, I'd say, a slight edge to wow. Um, you know. Mostly because of the complexity 
added upon Mm -hmm. it. Um, But again, what's interesting with WoW, things change so fluidly over the years that there are times when, hey, I'm playing my class and I love it. And then there are other times when you're playing it, it's like, oh, these changes suck. And now my character sort of blows, you know what I mean? And I got to change up the way I'm playing uh, because of that. So there's a little bit of give and take, but overall, I'd say the the slight edge to WoW on that one. Yeah, I'll I'll do that as well. I I prefer the simplicity of something like Diablo. Obviously, you know, not not a huge fan of MMOs, but I I can appreciate like all the different things you're having to manage while you're playing a game like WoW, uh, all the different abilities, the, you know, and then, you know, thinking about your role and the role of your different teammates when you're on raids and stuff, like, there's definitely mm, definitely yeah, more involved, and, right? Yeah, and then you start doing, you know, raid leading or, or, you know, leading your group and explaining different mechanics and stuff. So, yeah, it is, again, they're very different games, but uh, and on that front, you know, I, like like you said, WoW on that. Yep. Um, as, as far as the story mo- or soundtrack, I guess... Um, Whew. Now this one is is real tough for yeah. me because um man Diablo 2's so much so much nostalgia mm. dude like <laughs> listening to that soundtrack like the uh the the Lord of Destruction's freaking login screen dude yeah, I can hear that and I I am back <laughs> in my freaking childhood bedroom playing it at 2 in the morning Absolutely. while my brother's sleeping on the bed and I'm you know, smiling ear to ear because that means I get to play as long as I can stay mm-hmm. up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but WoW, again, is there's what's interesting about WoW is there's so many different zones and each area has their own music, you know. So just by the, the vast, you know, quantity of music is, is really impressive with WoW. And it, again, there are a lot of really amazing tracks. Like I can go back and listen to like the Westfall Zone. And it's just like super relaxing and really peaceful. But to me, I would say Diablo 2 gets the slight edge on this one. Uh, I love the tone of it. Obviously, it's really dark and, you know, Diablo is that hellish nightmare, right? And and that sort of appeals to me a little bit more than than the WoW front. And and I would even, you know, sort of, again, keep this moving. I'd rally that into the story as well. Um, You know, WoW, again... It's an it's an ongoing story, right? You don't get to the end of it because more comes eventually. And you could look at different points in history where it could be like, you know, Wrath of the Lich King. That expansion had an amazing story, you know, tied to Arthas and and you know being the Lich King and all that is like really amazing. But then there are other ones like Battle for Azeroth, the the most recent. It's like the story within it. It's like, yeah, you know, like. So it sort of peaks and valleys with WoW, uh, where to me Diablo 2 is just money all day. I, I love the story. I love, um, again, I love that universe so much. So I will go slight edge on Diablo in, in that yeah, one. Yeah, that's interesting. So I, I'll, I'll I'll agree with you. Soundtrack. I think Diablo 2 soundtrack. I think it's one of those games where the every every area that you visit perfectly is uh, suited to the music that's playing at that moment. Like it really, really nails that. The first game, the first game, you know, the the music in Tristram was so, so hauntingly like fitting for for that town, right? Like you, 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 it felt you felt unnerved to be in they that were place to begin with. Yeah, like you, you, know? you, you felt you did, you felt like you were there. I feel like it, 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 it had such a good job of evoking that sense of dread of being the town outside of a, a possessed and and demonic cathedral like it was just such a good job of that and i think diablo 2 kind of carries that torch um I, I i can't say that i've really heard a lot about the wow soundtrack i'm sure it's good um 
but yeah, Diablo two to me, like I, I would still listen to that music. And if I heard it, you know, it would bring me back to playing it. And so I'll give the slight edge there. Um, story, you know, I, I'm actually on the other side of you, Case. I, I'm going to give, without knowing a lot about it, I'm going to give it to WoW because I feel like the the ability to carry cohesive storylines and characters through so many expansions, I think, is an incredibly impressive endeavor. Um, whereas when I'm playing a game like Diablo, I don't really care that much about the story. Like I, I'm sure people do, and I don't think it's bad. It's just, it, it, the story of the Diablo games to me really doesn't mean much. Like I, I care about like my, my progression. I care about, you know, getting, getting further in the game, becoming a stronger character. The finding better items is such a huge part of the draw. And then Diablo two, like, you know, the multiplayer and, um, yeah, just, just, yeah, just to me, it's all about like the getting to the next part, but not the story of the next part, just kind of like advancing uh, my myself through the game, I suppose. So I'm going to give the slightest wow for the story for, for the reason that I, I just don't really, it's not a big part of the enjoyment of Diablo games for me. It, it It's so funny that you say that because I'm almost like the complete opposite. Yeah. Um, when I play wow, it's like, Whatever, like, let me get this quest done so I can get that XP, yeah. so I can level up, so I can keep moving on. Um, you know, I do, you know, like, the pretty much, like, the broad strokes of the expansion, like, the big storylines, you know, like, yeah, like, I follow along with, you can sort of, you know, obviously, they're front and center. Um, but, like, when I leveled up my character, it's like, I just skipped through all the cutscenes for now, you know, it's like, I want to, you know, get to where I gotta go. Uh, where Diablo, for me, is much more like... I. I'm am invested in that world and, and the characters there. And, you know, even with Diablo three in the beginning when it was in real rough shape, you know, um, like I still enjoyed the story. I thought, you know, like to me, that was cool. And even like with Diablo immortal, you know, like obviously like a big meme, but uh, you know, when they're like, yeah, this is going to really, you know, follow more closely, you know, after the events of the world stone and everything um, that went down with Bale, uh, like, that I was like, okay, like I definitely don't want to play a stupid mobile game, but I will because I want to see what's going on with this story, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I'm sure it would be, you know, passive, it, it, some sort of fun, you know, even though it's not something I ideally want. But, uh, but yeah, that's why Diablo gets it for me. But yeah, it's just sort of funny. We were sort of opposite, same, same feeling, but sort of opposite sides of the fence. Um, and then, yeah, as far as the intangibles go, I mean, you know, World of Warcraft, again, it, it just had its 16th birthday. Um, it is, you know, the probably, it's got to be one of the most, if not the most grossing game of all time, um, you know, or, or up there, you know, probably GTA 5 or whatever. But uh, again, you know, WoW was a phenomenon in its own right. You know what I mean? Back, I remember the, the South Park episode, you know, they used to have, there was like 12... 12, 14, 15 million people playing at one time, you know, which it's like, good Lord, you know, like, and all those people are paying $15 a month. Yeah. Um, but then Diablo 2, I mean, if you look at it, a lot of people, you know, people still play that game to this to this very day, you know, and, and just the countless hours of my life, sp- and I've spilt plenty of hours in WoW as well, but like Diablo 2, it's, it's just, it's, uh, I don't know, man, the, the, the loot, finding that the first night I got a stone of Jordan, dude, it, like, I'll never forget that night either, you know, it was like, oh my God, you know, we got a, we got an SOJ, boys, yeah. we, we made it. Yeah, there's something really, really special about finding, like, a set item or a, a legendary item, like, especially the legendaries, like, when you get your, 
get your first one. Like I remember getting the the legendary Flamberge sword for my Necromancer. I, I, I might have had like the word bone in it, but it didn't really matter what it was called. It, it was so cool to pick that up and see the the unique look it had uh, it, when it was equipped to my character. Um, collecting all the set items to see what their bonuses would be was really cool. Like. It, it just Diablo two had a really the Shaco dude. It had a, remember that it had a really good way of making you feel um, like that you've accomplished something. You know, like when you when you get when you when you level up and you choose a new spell or uh, when you you mentioned Casey earlier the 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 synergizing of different talents. Like I thought that was really cool when they when they implemented that. Um, but yeah, just just the the loot grind in Diablo two was, was so so satisfying and. Um, Again, can't can't uh, you know? I'm I'm a broken record here. Can't speak to World of Warcraft's uh, you know intangibles too much. But uh, yeah, you're right. Like the fact that this game has survived for so long and really been the the the, the master of the MMO genre uh, for years and years and years. Like uh, the massive props and respect of Blizzard for creating this game and this world and this community that b- believes so much in this game and wants to continue to be a part of it. Like. I, I almost get I think I'm gonna I would give the slightest world of Warcraft here just for its longevity like yeah I know people mm-hmm. still play Diablo 2 and I I still love that game but a lot of it is nostalgia now um and I I, I didn't love Diablo 3 as much I'm looking forward to four um maybe maybe we've been spoiled by the second game I don't know this is a really really close to a tie but I, I want to get just for the, the the fact it's staying power alone I, I would give it to I give the slightest to wow. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Warcraft's done something that no game's ever done, right? Like, <laughs> been around for that long and continues to, uh, you know, more or less, you know, strive. You know, obviously some some sort of bumps along the way. But, yeah, it's funny to think back to Diablo. And, you know, it was when I'm sitting there, right, we're playing on the PC. We don't have a TV in our room. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have a second monitor to watch Netflix. But I would just do bail runs or Mephisto runs. For sure over and over and over again and it was all honestly man just like give me that one item i want to find like let me find that amazing item that now all of a sudden i've got uh you know trade material to go and i can spend all night you know trying to flip this for that item and this item and and see what i can sort of work out of this and it's just for hours on like i wouldn't be able to do that today but it you know and again you know i was much younger and i think it's easier for younger people to just you know, sit like literally sit all day and play games yeah, and yeah. not really think about it. Um, but man, like what I wouldn't do to like be able to feel that one more time. You like, I like, I remember one day and I, I might've mentioned on here before too, where it's like, I've, I woke up at like, you know, nine o'clock and my brother was gone all day. So it's like, I'm gonna be playing Diablo all day. And then like literally like a blink of the eye. And I was like, Oh my God, it's like, it's like seven at night. I haven't eaten all day. Mm-hmm. I'm hungry. <laughs> you know, like there, there's I, no, where did the day go? There's no question. Like I, I had those experiences too. And, and the, the, the memories of playing Diablo two, like it'll be some of my fondest video game memories ever. Uh, and I, and, and, and maybe some that haven't even been replicated or, or eclipsed since like that. I think that's amazing to me that that game was able to give me that. But yeah, the the fact that I I think as someone who doesn't really care for WoW, I can still think of it so highly. I think that that's what's really giving me the intangible edge to that game. It it, yeah, it, it really is incredible. Definitely, uh, definitely uh, two very good games. 
Now I know people have been missing mm-hmm. David from the conversation, and and we you know we had to cut out <laughs> some of the game. We had to cut out some of the games we were going to talk about, um, <laughs> and we cut out last call all for this. So we do have a lot more games to cover. Uh, this is kind of our our, our kind of premiere episode talking about these uh the battles between these amazing games um uh david what uh what can people expect in in the weeks ahead like what what's what's next for us well uh next week will be more of the same we've got uh well there's a few that we didn't get to tonight that we'll have to uh, take mm-hmm. on next week so it would be the skyrim and uh, we'll probably look at the uh, bioware games we also got atlas and neon falcom so we'll Try to get through as many as we can yep. next week, and then uh, I imagine we'll have a little bit of bleed over the week after, which will be our Demon Souls yep. episode. Um, so uh, we'll we'll f- round out the first round uh, between the next two weeks, and then start up the round two yep, in the new sounds year. Sounds great. Um, yeah. So you you mentioned Demon Souls. We're going to get it. Uh, we'll have a dedicated Demon Souls episode with maybe a little bit of the contest uh, uh, bleed over there. That's fine. Um, but yeah, this is this is great. Like I, I, I kind of anticipated that these this episode or this series would take longer, and that's okay. We also had a couple of you know games we wanted to share some impressions of, so stay tuned for for more of that. Obviously, when we get Cyberpunk in our hands, we're going to uh, we're going to be sharing our thoughts on on that game. Uh, uh, probably not next week, but the because uh, I think it comes out on the tenth, which is the end of next week. But uh, maybe even uh, at the beginning of the the Demon Souls episode, and the, certainly the ones after that, you'll hear uh, thoughts on that game as well uh but i think that's gonna do it for uh this one we're already kind of around the uh the two hour mark mm-hmm. so uh, definitely a long episode Ooh-wee. thanks for uh thanks for sticking with us everybody uh hope you enjoyed listening to uh listen to three of us talk about uh some very good classic games some some contemporary games we've been playing as well uh thanks to casey for for joining us for this one um always great to hear his uh his thoughts on games other than world of warcraft uh, <laughs> and then and then here my <laughs> i know you love my octo talk uh, yeah, yeah every every episode you're so close to getting cut but uh we keep you we keep you around anyways um the uh if you haven't already you know please subscribe to the podcast on your podcast app you know please please leave us a review it really helps with visibility uh you know we've i think we've been getting some some new listeners to the podcast which is awesome you know if you're if this is the first episode you're joining us for or you you, you kind of just just arrived to the thirsty mage uh we have a website thirstymage.com uh we just posted a review of a game called haven uh which is my first playstation 5 review uh kind of a uh, a smaller game but uh, a fun one nonetheless uh, so you can check out that review on thirsty mage com we've got some gameplay on the thirsty mage youtube channel uh we've got a discord channel that's always pretty active uh with rpg talk uh the patreon uh that david mentioned at the beginning of the episode as well um i think we're gonna try david we're still aiming to do a, a video review for haven uh maybe i can get you some more footage for that yeah probably be uh i'll probably have it done over the weekend so probably like monday tuesday i would imagine Sounds great. So yeah, so you'll be able to uh, get a little bit more Haven uh, coverage uh, uh, coming up soon too. Uh, it it it's on PS5, I think Xbox uh, and PC right now. Uh, coming to Switch and PS4 later. It's a pretty interesting game. Uh, very uh, uh, reminiscent of something like uh, Flower. Uh, if if anyone has played that PlayStation game. Um, but yeah, this will do it for uh, tonight's episode, the kind of first parter, uh, almost uh, half of the first parter of the <laughs> yeah, uh, the Battle Royale <laughs> from the Thirsty Mage, uh, but uh, definitely had a good time talking to you guys about these, and hope you had fun listening. So uh, that'll uh, wrap, it, wrap us up for tonight. Um, uh, have a good night, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Adios.